Wednesday. You know what that means. It's time now for Supernatural News and Parashare, which we're a little light on today. I'm your host, Tim Dennis. And I guarantee you, no time during this program will I, A, ask for anything with pumpkin spice, B, throw an interception that will be run back for 99 yards and attempt to tackle anybody, and C, do anything that will cause anybody bodily harm. Those are the three things I will not do today. What I will do is bring you plenty of stories of interest today in the supernatural and paranormal realm. B, I will uh, try to make you laugh. And C, we'll bring you a co-host with the most. I'll bring him in right now. He's the BCB, the big cuddly bear himself, Beer City Bruiser. Hi, Bruiser. How you doing? Hi. I can't guarantee those three things. Oh, okay. You may cause somebody bodily harm today. I, I, or I may throw an interception. I don't know. Oh, okay. Well, I haven't decided. <laughs> it's totally up to you, my friend, if you want to throw an interception. I mean, I can't I can't stop you. But the pumpkin spice, I'm hit or miss. I, I, well, you know, I some, mean, something I, changed before with it. Beca- before it became a fad, I'd do it, but now it's a fad. So it's it like, is, yeah. yeah. It's it's, it's uh, overdone. It's very mid. It's very uh, white boy. Yeah. 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 Um. You know, Bruiser, I uh, I have very few things in my life that get under my craw. Okay. Now, tumbleweeds have done it. <laughs> they're the Kirk Cousins of plants? <laughs> they are. They're the Kirk Cousins of the plant world. I, uh, I can't do it anymore. I can't do it. I don't live in the Southwest. But yeah, for I'm some... Say, tumbleweeds in Minnesota, huh? Yeah, they're everywhere. These little effing tumbleweeds that are everywhere, and they're choking me out. They're uh, they're everywhere, and I don't know why they're so bad this year. But I I am literally being buried under by tumbleweeds this year. Yeah, you said you're real sore today because you were just dealing with tumbleweeds. And yeah, I was like oh okay. Yeah, me and the chippers are being buried under. Like they can't even get to their dish because they're like six feet high. They're buried under six feet of tumbleweeds. Really? Yeah, and it happens on a daily basis. So I got out the old blower sucker, uh, whatever you call it, the leaf blower sucker, and uh, I. Oh, we I call that something, but. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, we we call it. We can't uh, say your name though. All right, anyway. Yeah, uh, <laughs> we, yeah we, we, can, we catch up to her on Fleet Week. Um, but uh, so I paid her a hundred bucks, and she took care of the whole deal. Um, but no, uh, so. God loves Spud, but I scared the hell out of him one day. Oh, yeah? Yeah. With the, I, with the blower sucker? With the blower sucker. <laughs> I got to teach him how to be a man chipper. Um, but, uh, but you know, I, I, I came out with the thing the first day, and he didn't know what it was. And I think he thought, well, let's follow Pop over and see what he's doing. And then I turned it on, and he went, yow! And he ran. Uh, yeah, so he, 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 poor kid. He was just he was like, I don't like that. that Get is, that away from me. That is not a good noise. So he ran. Uh, then after I brought it out a second time, he ran. He just knew that it wasn't going to be a good thing, and he didn't come out the rest of the day. <laughs> yeah, um, but you're, you're being mean. Yeah, <laughs> even I, though you're trying to help him, he knows you are being mean. <laughs> he knows when the mower comes out, it's time to hide. He yeah. knows that, but now he knows when the blower sucker comes out, it's not a good thing. Um, <laughs> so yeah, but the tumbleweeds are, are now under my craw, firmly under my craw. Okay, and, and you know, well deserved. Yeah, they're causing you. They're causing you havoc and, yeah. and body aches. Body aches as well. I also found out uh, chippers love pistachios. See, I think I knew that. I did put pistachios out for some around here. Yeah, Tank loves pistachios. Oh, really? 
Oh, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So uh, it, it, just because I felt bad, you know, I'd, I'd upset the ecosystem outside. Yeah. Yeah. I, I said, you know what? I'm going to try. Well, you didn't. They just don't know you're helping them. Yeah. They don't. It's it, it's like going to the doctor as a kid. Yeah. And it's the, the appointment where you get all the shots. So yeah. You hate the doctor, even though he's just trying to help you. Yeah. Yeah. I, you're, you're that guy. You're the like, okay, Papa's coming out. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Oh no, there's that evil thing, but we'll yeah. be able to eat afterwards because he's clearing six feet of. Yeah, but tumbleweed. that that evil thing was a proctology exam. So <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it was kind of bad. So uh, yeah, so I I, I, I tr- decided to try. You know, we're getting to the end of the season. They only have less than a month left before they go into torpor. So I I figured I'd you know break out some p- pistachios. We'd have a little party. Do you, do you have the shelled or unshelled? Shelled. So yeah, that's what I used to. I want to make them. I'm like, if you're going to get them for free, you're, making, you're working for them. Well, the, the shells help their teeth. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. I just wanted to make them work for it. They Nothing's keep, free. Well, the blueberries, They when they eat blueberries, they, they eat the insides and then they spit the, the skins out because they're, they're rough. They're too rough on their stomach. Oh, okay. Yeah. So with the... With the uh, with the pistachios, they like to they like to gnaw the 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 shells off and then take the nuts from inside. <laughs> that, that needs one of those. That doesn't sound right. Um, Look at us. We already got blowing and sucking in nuts. All I know, right, this I is know. A great show. We're right off, off, right off the bat. We're off to a good start. Uh, by the way, um, I did get a. I, I've got to read this since we're on that that uh, double entendre kick right now. Um, <laughs> We got a letter from England. Oh. Right. Now, what did our friends from across the pond, as they say, have to say? Well, here's the deal, Brucer. Let me bring up this this uh, letter from our friend across the pond, because uh, he had something very interesting uh, to say. And <laughs> I, I actually had to uh, respond to him because uh, he... Uh, <laughs> He, uh, his name is Scott. Okay. Okay. And he says, hi, cruiser and bruiser. Just a little side note. When you guys say rim shot, which is this, that's a rim yeah. shot. Okay. Yeah. Right. So you guys, when you said, when you guys say rim shot on your show to your American audience, it's a basketball reference, which it isn't. It's, no, it's, it's a, it's that. Yeah. Yeah. That's a rim shot. Yeah, it's a drumming reference. It's a drumming reference. He says in the UK, it means getting the end of your old boy during sex (laughs) (laughs) and slapping it on your Mrs. Asshole. So every time you say rim shot, your UK audience is picturing something completely different. (laughs) Rim shot. That is amazing. <laughs> mm-hmm. So thank oh. you, Scott, for adding. Actually, you made my day with that. Oh, mine too. Mine's totally made. Yeah. Like we have a whole, because we have fans over across the pond, obviously. We have a lot of them. You. Yeah, we have a lot of them. Yeah. yeah. So I just, I, I'm, I can picture them all giggling as we say rim shot, because <laughs> you and I are talking about that. And they're, they're talking about, no. they're thinking we're talking about. <laughs> is this the sound of it ricocheting? I'm just wondering. You have to play that sound on her ass? I guess, yeah, but that's kind of a double tap. Oh, yeah, you can, you know, you never tap your thing on anything? (laughs) Maybe after you're done? I don't know. 
You never like tapped it on the desk or anything just to see if it makes a sound? Oh my god, no. <laughs> it might hurt. I'm not sure. I, I, I have a I have a I have a weird phobia that I'm gonna break it. Have you have you heard of that? I've heard you can break it, but I, yeah. I, I I've had so much damage to it in wrestling. Oh god. Like I ruptured a testicle in a match. <gasps> no. Uh, so we were at a match. It was in it was in Missouri, uh-huh. and we were supposed to. Harley goes. I only got five matches, so I need you guys to go forty five minutes. It was a tag match, mm-hmm. and we're like, "Sure, awesome, we can do this." Okay. In the first two minutes, the bottom rope broke. Oh. We still have to go forty three minutes. Yeah. Like, all right, well, we'll just we'll work with it, right? Yeah. And it was me and a guy named Brandon against two of my good friends, Superstar Steve, and um, not the Superstar Steve, you know. Okay, but okay, a different okay. One. <laughs> okay. A good, a good one. Um, oh. <laughs> and then a guy named Darren Wade. Okay. So they have this double team move where, where uh, Darren would slam the guy, and then Superstar does like a sentence where he jumps and puts his back on you. Okay. So they slam me, and now we're about 10 minutes into the match. Mm-hmm. They slam me, Superstar Steve jumps up, lands on me, and Alls I feel, because he lands right on my crotch on accident, <gasps> and alls I feel is it feels like I'm peeing. No. And and I can't breathe, and it, it just imagine getting kicked in the nuts just times a hundred. Oh. So he covers me, and I kick out, and I go, I think I'm hurt. I got to get out. Mm-hmm. So I crawl over my partner, I tag him, and I I go on the ground, and I stick my hands in my trunks. And I pull it out, and there was blood. And I'm oh, like, oh, this is good. Oh. Well, we ended up going the 45 minutes for the match. No. I ended up going another 30, was it 34 minutes, something like that, in the match. We get done. I get in the back. I, you know, I basically collapse when I get in the back. And I'm just trying to breathe, trying to, you know, get my bearings. Um, I go into the bathroom, and I look, and there's – there's blood, but it's like coming out of the, the <gasps> tip. It's not like, you know what I mean? And I'm like, oh, this isn't good. <sighs> and when I peed, I peed blood, obviously. And my girlfriend at the time, she goes, are you okay? Like, he landed real hard on you. I'm like, yeah. And you, can you, in a non-sexual way, can you look at my... <laughs> and she looks and she's like, whoa, your scrotum, right side of your scrotum is, is huge. And not in a good way. So <laughs> you were like, thank you. Yeah. So the next morning I wake up and everything down there is purple. Oh my like God. dark blackish purple. You didn't go to the hospital? No. Oh God. No. I ended up going to the hospital like four days later because it just hurt to pee. Oh. And you're like, oh yeah, you ruptured a testicle, you're fine. You know, you're it's a fine. partial rupture. You'll be okay. And you know. Oh. Uh, they gave me some pain meds and anti-inflammatories and it couldn't have sex for a month yeah no rim shots for the missus no rim shots that's right yeah so they're like uh yeah no wrestling for a month either i wrestled the weekend later oh no just taped it up taped it up (laughs) jesus bruiser i have to make money god damn yeah oh that's how I found out you can break it. That, that's what they said when I went in there. Like, well, we have to check your yeah, member. See if you broke it. To see if it, you broke it. I'm like, what do you mean broke it? There's no bone in there. Like, no, you can, no, you can break, break it. it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so they checked. Not broken. There was a there was a joke on Weekend Update on SNL 
this past year <laughs> that Michael Che to- told. I'm not going to repeat it. You can look it. You can look it up. But basically, <laughs> of course, as an African American, he could tell the joke. But basically, he said that this guy broke it and it turned black. And he said, of course, once it goes black, you never go back. <laughs> yeah. uh, but you know, and then he went on and he yeah. continued with the stereotypes. But it, it, yeah, it was a, it was a, it was a good, it was a good set of jokes. Um, but yeah, and then he proceeded to say he was going into porn. Um, <laughs> Get rim shots all around. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, yeah. Oh, God. Oh, oh, Bruce. So I got I to remember that rim shot thing because we're planning a vacation next year over in England. Yes. Yeah. And I don't, I don't want to do the dun-dun-dun, go, hey, rim shot. And then, like, I'm <laughs> yeah. in a pub and everyone turns and looks at me and they look at Mrs. Bruiser and what? <laughs> and then they say, lucky bird, eh? No, that's, uh, that's Australian, I know, for beer. Um so yeah, so big show today, brother. <laughs> big, <laughs> big show today. I have a feeling this is the point where we should probably switch topics. Uh, plenty of alien talk today. Lots of people, lots of people into this new show on Netflix that we talked about last week. In fact, they're so into it, they're convinced that aliens are real. Okay. I've watched a couple episodes. It's very well done. Yes, it is very well done. Uh, we're going to talk about the fact that I, I don't know that we brought this up last week that Mexican doctors have already checked into the cake aliens. <laughs> and no, we did yet. Yeah, and they've come up with their findings. We'll get into that. Of course, we marble. I like marble. Yes, marble's good. Yeah, marbles. <laughs> you get the best. You get chocolate and vanilla. So, exactly. Yeah, you get the white and the dark. So, um, also, uh, a few AI stories. We got oh, a few great. here. Uh, we're going to talk Rolling Stones today as well. Um, ghost stories. We have the story of one woman who's uh, divorced her ghost. And it's oh. not for the reasons you may think. Uh, let's just put it this, uh, this way, guys. There is such a thing as too much teeth. <laughs> it's true. A uh, couple of Nessie I'm glad, I'm glad you used the rim shot with that, too. Now that we know yeah. the English version of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A uh, couple of Nessie sightings. We'll talk about that today. And Ziggy's picks. We'll talk yes. Ziggy's picks towards the end of the program today. So that's coming up today as well. And to end today's program, we combine a couple of our loves. Oh, okay. We have a lot of loves. Yeah, we have I a lot of loves. I can't wait to see what it is. So we'll combine that today as well. But first, let's jump into aliens. We know they like to jump into us, if you know what I mean. They like to the rimshot us. <laughs> That's right. They love the rimshot, those aliens. Just saying. Uh, the new Netflix UFO docuseries that has viewers convinced that aliens are real. You know we're talking about Steven Spielberg's new docuseries, Encounters. Yep. It's a, it, I watched two episodes, I think. Yeah? Which thing? Yeah. I like them. They're very well done. Yeah. Very well done. Yeah. But I'd already believed that aliens exist, so I didn't change my opinion one way or another. (laughs) They didn't have to twist your arm too much. Right. Uh, That new Netflix docuseries, Encounters, has really beamed viewers up with its tales of UFO and alien sightings from across the world. And with compelling firsthand accounts from witnesses and a healthy dose of skepticism thrown in, too, the latest production from Steven Spielberg's Amblin Television has certainly got head-scratching and leaving many diehard skeptics rather dumbstruck. The intriguing show delves into four mystery 
go or mysterious goings on, strange lights in the sky over small town Texas, submersible spacecrafts haunting a coastal Welsh village, an alien encounter with school children in Zimbabwe, which MJ told us about on the program, yep. mm-hmm. and non-human intelligence reportedly interfering with a nuclear power plant in Japan. Each bizarre tale in this gripping four-parter told from the perspective of first-hand experience in the places where the actual sightings occurred, uh, guided by scientists and military personnel, the series highlights the profoundly human impact of these encounters on lives, families, and communities. Social media is ablaze with praise for encounters, with many taking to X, formerly Twitter, to share the love. And here's a few of the quotes. Nelson C. 6173 says, It's a great documentary, extremely thorough and well thought out narrative. Well done, Netflix. Uh, Arn F. Den Zero says, Netflix's Encounters is an extremely accurate series. We need more filmmakers to come and produce shows like this and keep looking up to the skies. Folks, UFOs are showing up more nonchalantly lately at dan israel music says if you're not watching encounters on netflix you should uh i believe this is vivo rules somebody loves their vivo yeah uh says can you please 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 make more episodes of encounters four was not enough and i binged them see that's the problem with with some of the services is binging. I mean, I love to binge a good series every once in a while. I, 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 I browsed through, I shouldn't say browsed. I, I cruised through Ahsoka this weekend. Okay. I had to, once I started, I, I got through it, but see, it's that instant gratification. Yeah. Now that I'm done with it, I want more, but the problem is, is there, there is no more. (laughs) So you gotta wait. Yeah. You gotta wait. Uh, at MTN Poet says, I've been watching the Netflix special Encounters over the weekend. Must say it's well done. Not spooky crazy or anything like that. It's a worthy series to watch in four parts with hashtag UAP UFOs. Yeah, there's uh, nothing really scary about it. It's more no. informal. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, Encounters couldn't have arrived on the platform at a better time with interest in aliens and UFOs seemingly at an all-time high amid a near-constant stream of new revelations emerging from military whistleblowers for years denied as mere conspiracy. It's asking the question, are we finally getting closer to the truth? There's another story out there, too, that the documentary has more than 300 witnesses for a mile-long spaceship. I don't know that I want to blow the surprise on this deal. I think I want people to watch the show but for five months after october 2007 more than 300 locals near stephenville texas which is in one of the episodes Mm -hmm. uh, reported seeing a large delta shaped ufo Uh, witnesses reported it to be enormous some estimates said it was a mile long others claimed it was the length of 17 football fields various witnesses said they saw it hovering around with lights the most widely publicized incident was on january 8th of 2008 when 19 witnesses alleged that they saw the ufo as it passed west from dublin texas to stephenville and it was pursued by u.s military fighter pilots the mass sighting made national news in 2008 coverage of it appeared on abc news the los angeles times cbs news and on national public radio Uh, Robert Powell, the nanotechnology engineer whose investigation helped document the large UFO via the Federal Aviation Administration, radar data appears in the documentary. 
Powell told the Daily Mail, it was like a circus. We were interviewing various witnesses. It was so loud that you couldn't even interview them properly, Powell recollected. The key witness interviews occurred outside of that. Uh, Local reporter, I believe this is Angelia Joyner, broke the story for the Stephenville Empire Tribune. This eventually cost Joyner her job with the newspaper. Oh, wow. Yeah. She died of COVID in 2021, but Powell said she felt that she owed it to the citizenry to give them answers. They knew these weren't F-16s or fighter jets because F-16s would fly over every day of the year constantly nonstop. So they knew what F-16s look like. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, He continued, so they would call her and say, well, what have you found out? Has anyone else reported it? Blah, blah, blah. And she felt obligated to answer their questions. He said she she got a little disillusioned as the years went by because there's so many wackos in this field that they will contact you and tell you, you know, they got a piece of a UFO or what have you. Interesting stuff. I, I encourage you to go check out Encounters and see the story for yourself because really Spielberg tells a, a very, very interesting story. Yeah. And it's, it's entertaining. Yeah. Like it, it's very entertaining. Very much so. Very much so. Well, Bruiser, you asked the question, is it cake or is it alien? <laughs> and now Mexican doctors have answered the question. Okay. Hopefully they're going to tell us it's like a churro or something. Oh, a churro cake would be so good. Wouldn't it? Yeah, it would. Yeah, mm, good stuff. Uh, Mexican doctors have concluded tests on the alleged non-human alien corpses that were presented in uh, Mexico a few weeks ago. They say they found no evidence of any assembly or manipulation of the skulls. So it isn't cake, Bruiser. Uh, all right, all right. Of those, well, aliens are fine then too. Yeah, that's fine. Of these, as so- long as they come with cake. Yeah, yeah. It, maybe there was a cake on the side, like kind of like a <laughs> welcome to my tomb. Type deal. Uh, There was no manipulation of the skulls of the so-called non-human being remains that were presented to Mexico's Congress, uh, not last week, but the week before, seemingly proving the remains were not human-made. The scientists conducted a number of tests on the two specimens at the Noor Clinic uh, this past week and live-streamed the entire procedure on, I believe it's Jaime Masson's YouTube channel. In the end, Jose Zalce Benitez, the director of the Health Sciences Research Institute in the Secretary of the Mexican Navy's office, said the studies proved the alleged aliens belonged to a single skeleton and were not assembled with human objects. He also said that his team found that one was alive, was intact, was biological, and was in gestation pointing to large lumps inside the alleged E.T.'s abdomen, which he suggested could be eggs. Okay. All right. Yeah. He said definitely a male and a female. Yeah. 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 Unless, and follow me on this, my friend, they died in spring and those were Cadbury eggs. (laughs) Just saying. What, the guy that stole all those Cadbury eggs forgot those? Yes. Or it's a cake with Cadbury eggs inside. How delicious would that be? That'd be pretty good, actually. Yeah. yeah. I can affirm that these bodies have no relation to human beings, he previously claimed. Uh, the pair, which were allegedly unearthed in Cusco, Peru in 2017, have elongated heads with three fingers on each hand. 
but otherwise they appear humanoid in shape with two arms and two legs each. Masson said that he that they had rather strong light bones and no teeth. Yeah, that describes me to a T. <laughs> I was going to say, hey. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I've been described in that way. Yeah. Uh, they also had implants of cadmium and osmium, which is one of the rarest and scarest earth elements known uh, on the planet. Also, I'm curious um, what the implants are. Like, did they have knee surgery and the the total knee replacement with that's you know what i mean like no I, they keep saying implants but they don't you know the, did the female get a breast augmentation like <laughs> I mean, what is going on here the osseum in breast implant yeah i have no <laughs> idea god that would make for some hard tits wouldn't it, it saying. well we, we don't know what the aliens like yeah i don't know i don't know Almost one-third of their DNA is unknown, he testified, claiming the beings are not part of our terrestrial evolution. The specimens are not part of our evolutionary history on Earth, Masson told Mexican government officials and representatives from the U.S. They are not beings recovered from a UFO crash. Instead, they were found in algae mines and subsequently became fossilized. Okay. Okay. Uh, this is the first time it, extraterrestrial life, is presented in such a form. And I think there's a clear demonstration that we are dealing with non-human specimens that are not related to any other species in our world, Masan, who is a longtime UFO enthusiast, concluded. But many have expressed skepticism all the same about the discovery. For years, academics, archaeologists, and scientists have said that mummified remains that UFO enthusiasts claim are aliens are generally just modified human bodies. Others, especially the smaller ones, like those that were presented in Mexico, are assembled with an amalgamation of animal and human bones. Among the skeptics is physics professor uh, Brian Cox, who has been calling for a sample to be sent to a biologic tech company 23andme for independent verification that the specimens are aliens is that really the most scientific place we can send them i don't know but how afraid are you going to be that you send in your 23andme sample and it turns out you're related to the aliens right <laughs> all of a sudden you get bebop bork from uh, from galaxy 23 that comes up <laughs> and you're related yeah. And you're more than half related. You know what well, I'm look saying? Look at this. I'm, I'm Irish, European, Xylon 63, whatever that is. <laughs> whatever that is. I don't know. I wonder if I can visit there. Uh, it's very <laughs> unlikely that an intelligent species that evolved on another planet would look like us, he went on to say last week. I think that's Masson. Um, Julieta Fierro. A scientist at Mexico's National Autonomous University's Institute of Astronomy also said none of the evidence shows anything mysterious that could indicate life, life compounds that do not exist on Earth. And the Peruvian government has claimed that the remains are simply pre-Hispanic objects. Still, the Mexican politician said last week that Masson's presentation left them with thoughts and concerns as they are weighing or as they wait, passing the Aerial Space Protection Law, which would turn Mexico into the first country in the world to acknowledge the presence of aliens on the planet. So that guy just thinks they're statues or something? He thinks they're just Mexican oh, artifacts? No, no, no. They believe they're bodies. Okay. Yeah. So right. everyone seems to be in agreement. The only one who aren't in agreement are other scientists. Right, because they don't have the actual... 
bodies in front of them. Right. So they want to send them to 23andMe. Yeah, so they want to send them to 23andMe and, you know. Like How they, would you want to make a bet the scientist that suggested that is the guy who owns 23andMe? Oh, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Or, or has stock in it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because they didn't say Ancestry.com. No. He literally said 23andMe. Yeah, he, he picked the specific one. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, moving on. You know, if we're going to send them to 23andMe, let's just send them to Cola Guard, too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Try and see if you can get them to sit down and take a squat in the Cola Guard box. <laughs> we'll check them for cancer. <laughs> By the way, that that you've seen the Cola Guard SNL spot, right? No, not yet. No, with Woody Harrelson? No. The funniest SNL spoof ever. Okay, I'll have to look it up. Yeah, just look up Woody, Hel- Woody Harrelson, Cola Guard, SNL. Okay. You've never laughed so hard in your life, Bruiser. I'm, I'm in. <laughs> just put it this way. You'll never hear the word unleash the same in your life again. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, let's move on. A UK village known as a UFO hotspot with locals casually seeing those spaceship things. <laughs> hey, there's one of them. They're spaceship things. That's right. <laughs> the UK has become the new... Area 51, the new Skinwalker Ranch. Like every week we have a story from UK. I think so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, UFO expert Malcolm Robinson has written 10 books after studying aliens and says many good cases had been reported to him by residents of this UK coastal village, a sleepy Scottish village. It figures they're in Scotland. They just, oh, yeah. they don't care. Yeah. No, no. A sleepy Scottish village has become known as a hotspot for UFOs, according to an expert. Uh, they have been spotted in Scotland for seven year, or several years, he claimed. And the famous Falkirk Triangle is a popular hunting ground for spotters. Bonnie Bridge near the town has become famous for unusual objects spotted in its skies, sparking calls for a government probe. One of the country's leading ufologists, however, says an Aberdeenshire village is a hotspot for sightings. Malcolm Robinson has written 10 books over a decades-long career studying the subject. He said many good cases have been reported to him by residents of the coastal village of, I believe it's Muckles. That's a cool name. Yeah. The the settlement, which houses around 500 people, is, he claims, a UFO window area where there has been a lot of suspected extraterrestrial activity. In his book, UFO Case Files of Scotland, Volume 2, he recounts some of the tales stun locals. Uh, that they have told him over the years. Uh, The first one dates back to 1964 when a motorist followed a bizarre ball of light through the village and nearby Hamlet Bridge of Muckles, reported Aberdeen Live. Driver Matthew, joined by his 19-year-old brother and mother, was chased by an orange light along a deserted county road before it suddenly disappeared. Another reported to have taken place in December of 1971, involved young resident Tom Moyer, uh, who lived to the west of the village. Tom claimed to have come across three strange lights and a figure dressed in a long gown as he walked home in the dark. He said he and his sister often uh, saw the same lights in the same place for several years until he moved away for college. Between 1988 and 1992, he regularly revisited his home 
to record the bizarre sights before he moved to New England. After Tom told his experiences, others came forward to say he had encountered the gowned figure, gowned figure in 1968. Uh, and a minister who lived next door to Tom also seemed to be aware of the incidents. Tom recalled asking his mechanic father to examine a strange-looking bolt, and the cleric nonchalantly said it could have been off of one of those spaceship things. <laughs> All right, then. Uh, when the book was published in 2011, Malcolm reported the number of UFO sightings in Muckles had died down. Uh, after Tom had stopped documenting the mysterious happenings, recorded cases from the area became few and far between. Malcolm said today, Muckles, as far as we're led to believe, sees very little in the way of UFO reports, and we can but wonder why. Muckles, for some unknown reason, has joined the ranks of other British locations that have seen UFO activity, and we can thank Tom Moyer uh, for sharing his UFO accounts with us. But Malcolm said Tom had shared many more credible stories with him, and his uh, quirky tales could not be readily dismissed. He said or added that Tom is an intelligent man, a man who is used to seeing aircrafts and helicopters in the sky. What he saw growing up in Muckles was none of these, and to this day has lasting memories of his time and his experiences there. So there you go. On a separate note, Bruiser, I got, a, I got an interesting, and this is totally unrelated to this story. Has nothing to do with muckles, huh? Has nothing to do with muckles. Uh, I got an interesting note from a listener, and I want to okay. know. I want to know if it, it almost could be UFO like. Uh, I want to know if you hear it in broadcasts of this program, because I never hear it. I listen back to the program uh, every week. Okay, mm -hmm. so do I. Do you ever hear beeps? Strange beeps in this program. No. Okay. Now, while I was reading that story, I heard one of the dogs shaking in the dog tags. Okay. And it sounded like, it sounded like, um, metallic jingling. Okay. They're, yeah. They're metallic, like a okay. tag. Yeah. Okay. So, cause I, I got a, I got a message from Sean. Okay. And it actually came in today before the, before the broadcast. Okay. Okay. And he said, hey, Tim, we listened to the show for over 10 years, but for the past year or two, most shows we can't listen to because of the beep. And I have no idea what this beep is. Okay. What beep? Yeah. He says it's either a faint fire alarm beep, which I don't know what that is. Now, at one time here in the house, we did have a fire alarm that needed changing. So he might have heard that on one or two episodes, but we, okay. cha we changed the battery. Right. Okay. Um, or a beep from recording equipment, uh, but there's nothing beeping. I don't have anything beeping. Uh. Um, but anytime your show is on, our dog starts shaking and panting, and it's only your podcast. If it happens every single time we try, it happens every single time we try to listen now. Can you possibly turn it off? I don't have anything right now that's beeping. The only thing I heard on Bruiser's End just now is I heard dog tags jingling. Yeah, because they just they move, now they're sitting down not doing anything. Yeah, and I don't have anything beeping around here. Okay, I mean I don't hear any beeping. So I'm going to ask the listeners if you're listening at home and you hear beeping, just give us a time signature in this episode. Yeah, and just tell us it's this episode only the October fourth episode of Supernatural News. 
Yeah, so we can go back and listen to it and see what it is. Yeah, yeah, because I listen back and I don't ever hear anything. I, I listen to it when I drive up to to the wrestling training. And I don't, I'm in my car, I don't hear it. I'll put see, my I, I hear the on, dog tags hear. again. When you were talking. That, yeah, Ziggy just moved, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I'll hear dog tags every once in a while. Yeah. Yeah. That's because I have the door open. If the door's closed, you can't really hear it. Okay. So, yeah. yeah. So the, what you may think is beeping is dog tags, Sean. Maybe. I, there's a train going by right now. Yeah. I don't know. I hear it, a train, it, but it's not beeping, though. Yeah. It's a train horn. Does it affect the dogs if you shut the door? Do they go in the I usually have it closed. Oh, okay. Today, I just have it open because Mrs. Bruiser's not back yet. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. Like so, when she gets here, she'll close it. But I usually, okay. I usually record with clothes, and you, you, the only time you hear them is when they bark. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So I, I don't know, Sean. That 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 was one of the other things I was going to address today on the on the show. But I don't ever hear beeping. I don't either. And, and I listen to he's all des- of it. He's describing a fire alarm beep, but I don't. Now, is it just supernatural news or is it the interviews and true crime tuesday you know what i mean like is mm-hmm. it all of them is it just this one right i don't know i don't know so i don't know so i figured i'd point that out while we were hearing it so that sean would know that's the only sound i hear that sounds like anything that could potentially be a beat yeah yeah so I mean, every once in a while bruiser will purr meow but that's not a beep no that's not a beep all right so there you go so that, that's it <laughs> that's it i know it was it was very it was very scatterbrained of me to to throw that out there but i just wanted to make sure that that um everybody knew what we were talking about so okay uh and and i wanted other listeners to chime in uh tim at darknessradio.com uh just, yeah. yeah email me and and let me know if you ever hear that beep that sean is talking about i actually yeah. suggested to sean uh, a couple of things. One, was he listening on the same listening device every time? Two, are you listening on the same uh, podcast app every time? Right. Maybe if you switch podcast apps. You know, if you go from, like, say you listen on the iHeartRadio app, maybe if you switch from the iHeartRadio app to the Darkness Radio Apple app or something like that. Um, you know, uh, switch from one to the other and see if it goes away. I do Spotify and I don't hear anything. Yeah. So there you go. There you go. Okay. One last story before we go to break. By the way, this is your past the duchy on the left-hand side story. <laughs> In case you're not sufficiently lubricated for the story, you may need to be. Uh, the headline here, Bruiser, is life may be a computer game controlled by aliens. This according to a new UFO documentary. Oh, okay. So yeah. are we... I'm curious to know: Are we are we just uh, NPCs then, or are we the actual like character? That's what I'm curious about. Well, we'll find out. Yeah. We'll find out. The new UFO documentary "God versus Aliens" looks into whether life as we know and perceive it is just a simulation designed and controlled by extraterrestrials for some unknown purpose. We must be the character then. Okay. It's called simulation theory, and suggests that life is basically some sort of computer game. The Swedish philosopher Nick Bostrom uh, proposed this in 2003, and it even has Elon Musk as a believer. Oh, great. So now <laughs> yeah, we go great, from yeah. flat earth to some simulation theory. Yeah. 
Okay. Thanks a lot, Elon Musk. Yeah. He states that the odds of us actually living in a real physical reality are a billion to one. I I think you're a billion to one to be in in reality right now. Yeah, yeah. This theory would then make religion and even the idea of God as a construct of the computer game and thereby the aliens controlling it. Oh, man, take a hit if this makes sense to you. Um, this film's, or this film, rather, explores this theory and its impact on the world's religions should we make first contact, and especially if that contact would actually negate our physical existence and any notion of God is real. So... If we make contact with them and we go, hey, are we a video game? And they go, yeah. Is that them in the video game talking? Is it like virtual reality then for them? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that means, how would that work? That means they would have made a character to communicate with us. Yeah. I would think, right? Because they couldn't yeah. actually get in the game. No, yeah. So they're so so basically they're they're buying the uh, the add-ons. Where you can create yourself. They're they're yeah, a yeah. creator character, yeah. I guess so. The film also features exclusive interviews with some of the world's leading UFO experts, including Nick Pope, who we still need to get on this program. He keeps dodging us. Um, <laughs> who used to run the UK's UFO desk for the Ministry of Defense. He looks into whether ETs would bring their own religions and what would happen if they were really crazy out their religions. Uh, would they impose them on us in a reverse colonialism? Ah, okay. So kind of like the Catholics did back in the day where they travel the world to switch you to Catholicism. Right, exactly. The aliens are trying to get us to go to the alienism. Gotcha. Right. Other interviewees include Professor Avi Loeb of Harvard, Harvard University, uh, Seth Shostak, the chief astronomer from SETI, who was also the scientific advisor on the hit Jodie Foster film Contact, Tony Topping, an alleged UFO abductee, and the Reverend Daniel Thompson, who said first contact with E.T. will make people's heads explode. <laughs> well, let's hope not. I mean, you I don't to, want my head to explode. Yeah, you want to keep it right where it is. Uh, the film investigates evidence for previous visitations from the Bible and other ancient texts, as well as exploring what role AI would have in the search for E.T. and whether alien life would also use AI to make contact with ourselves. I'm, gonna, I'm about to say something that'll blow your mind. Okay. You ready for this? I'm, yeah. I'm about to get deep into it. Shove me into shallow water before I get too deep. Are you ready, Bruiser? I'm ready. All right. So if this is a construct... Why did we make AI as part of the simulation? Or did the aliens make AI as part of the simulation to step up in levels in the simulation so that we could eventually escape the simulation and become one with reality? Whoa, man. Yeah, that's a whole Matrix thing right there. I'm on that cush, baby. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Professor Avi Loeb states that extraterrestrial AI may form a kinship with human AI and bypass humanity altogether. Oh, okay. Take another hit. The film's highlights include an interview with an alien abductee, Tony Topping, who claims to have been taken by aliens since childhood and states that there are many types of aliens and that the universe is populated and that we're being lied to. 
Both Tony Topping and author Brian Allen assert that there's a secret organization involved called the Collins Elite who work alongside the aliens and help cover up the abduction phenomenon. So is the abduction them taking us out of the simulation? I wonder. You know, to fine tune us and then stick us back in the simulation? I don't know. That's a good theory, Bruiser. Thank, thank you. Thank you. You said that sober, my friend. <laughs> kind of. Uh, new UFO documentary, God vs. Aliens, is now streaming on Tubi and Iazat, I believe is what it is, looks into whether life is just a simulation designed and controlled by extraterrestrials. Interesting, interesting. I might have to find out who the filmmaker is on this and see if I can't get him on the show. Yeah. Definitely need to get him on the show. This is this is a because you can poke holes in it, but I want to see how he defends it. Yeah, yeah, baby, yeah. <laughs> We're all just a construct, man. Yeah, yeah, man. Just, just living life like a construct. Living life like a construct. Now I know how Mario feels. Coming up next after the break, AI has screwed up my favorite drink. <laughs> god damn you ai uh also the rolling stones have decided they're going on a hologram tour after they die good for them yeah we'll Still talk making music that's right we'll talk about that they are they have a brand new single out a couple of nessie sightings we'll talk about as well as a bigfoot sighting uh a woman gives up her relationship with the ghosts because uh let's just say there's teeth involved Okay. Yeah. Guys, watch out what you do with your teeth. And at the end of the program, Ziggy's Picks. Yes. We'll talk about the week that was in football, football, football. It's coming up next. You're listening to Supernatural News Wednesday right here on the best in paranormal programming. It's a cruiser and a burger on a Wednesday. It's coming at you live. Coming at you live. It's Darkness Radio. Welcome back to the best in paranormal programming. This is Darkness Radio. It's a supernatural Wednesday. It's a cruiser and a bruiser taking you home on a Wednesday. It's a hot, sticky one out there for October. There should be pumpkin spice. There should be leaves falling on the ground. But you know, we got falling down for you this hour. We got little Vern We got the stones. We got Boston. Uh, and we got the hits on your way home. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Great radio broadcast. No, no, that sucks. That, <laughs> I know it does. <laughs> if you hear that on your way home, you need to change the channel. God, I just frayed out my throat again. Holy cow. <laughs> you guys have no idea how bad that is on your throat. <clears throat> it's horrible. That's what she said. Yeah, hey now. I, I can't hit the uh, I can't hit the thing. You know why? Because because I'm about to hit uh, I'm about <laughs> I'm about to hit it. I'm about to hit it, Bruiser. Nightmare that fuel. Nightmare fuel. It's about that time, ladies and gentlemen. It's about time for. It's 
about time for us to talk about how AI screwed up my favorite drink, Bruiser. Well, yeah, what drink is that? Coke! What? And not the kind some wrestling promoters put in their nose. <laughs> Even though original Coke used to have cocaine in it. It did, yeah. Coca-Cola has done screwed the pooch, Bruiser. Uh, what'd they do? Their latest variant version, whatever you want to call it, has been created by AI. Oh, so people are going to drink and they're going to get poisoned and die. That's right. For about a year and a half, Coca-Cola experimented with limited limited edition beverages that have mystery taste. I'm so angry with this. I can't even read straight. <laughs> most of them with vague futuristic concepts and undisclosed flavors. I'll tell you what, most of them were peach and they sucked. Yeah. Yeah, they were horrible. I haven't heard any good things about the mystery flavor stuff. No, they were all horrible. The latest one is called Coca-Cola Y3000. And it fits the bill. It sucks. <laughs> <laughs> the one distinction here, though, it's supposed to taste like the future. Cold, metallic, hard, and it's going to crush your skull. And so you die after yes. you drink it. Yeah, you die after you drink it. Uh, fittingly, the soft drink giant used artificial intelligence to help determine the flavor and packaging. So it lies to you. It's racist. And it crushes you. <laughs> and it you. wants to kill you. And it wants to kill you. And it, it will eventually. Yeah. 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 It's important for Coca-Cola to keep customers, particularly younger ones, excited about Coke. It's more than a century-old signature pro product. In recent years, health-conscious consumers have shied away from sugary beverages, making it trickier for soda sellers to market their legacy brands. Coca-Cola has used its creations platform, responsible for limited edition flavors like Y3000. What does a Y3000 taste like anyways? Death. <laughs> Probably. Cold, inviting death. Yes. Tastes like your deathbed. Tastes Maybe. like James Cameron. <laughs> oh, God. There's only one woman that tell you what that tastes like. Uh, limited edition flavors like Y3000 try to make the brand resonate with younger customers. I don't know. Does a younger customer really want to taste a Y3000? No. Well, they will because they taste everything. It's a trend. Not everything goes in your mouth. I may, sound, <laughs> I may sound like an old man shouting at the clouds right now. <laughs> but take that out of your mouth. I, I can't believe that they're so worried about the young people. They got to do all like Coke has been around for years. Yeah. Almost 100 years, right? You know what this is? It's a good old fashioned vanilla Coke. Tastes all right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No Y3000 there. <laughs> nope. Like, oh. You don't, you don't have James Cameron in your mouth? No, and I, I wouldn't want it either. It tastes like one of those Avatar bitches. <clears throat> Just saying. Uh, like all creation drinks, Coca-Cola Y3000 is designed to taste mostly like Coke. <laughs> mostly. Mostly. With a bit of something else. Cameron jizz. <laughs> To come up with that extra note of flavor in the packaging design, Coca-Cola turned to AI. Oh, I can't wait. It tastes like gear oil and circuitry it, it, boards. 
Why are we trusting AI to come up with flavors when that grocery store tried to come up with grocery lists and all the grocery list would give you is mustard gas? <laughs> the right. ingredients for mustard gas. So like, cool, let's give them the power to create liquid mustard gas. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this can't be good. The company relied on regular old human insights by finding out what flavors people associate with the future. Oh God, this can't be good. <laughs> Then it used AI to figure help figure out flavor pairings and profiles, a spokesperson said. For the products packaging, by the way, I have to thank Tim for this story. He he wrote in and sent this story into me. I had seen this in the grocery store. I tried to tip over the display, but they arrested me before I could do that. <laughs> a, a T eight hundred came out and said, "What are you doing, yes, Tim? Leave my children alone." Uh, for the product's packaging, which appears to allude to a Y2K aesthetic with funky bubbles, pink and blue coloring, and a pixelated logo. I saw this in the uh, store yesterday. I was wondering what it was. Yes, that's it. It's the AI code. I'm glad I didn't pick it up. Yeah. Coca-Cola used AI-generated images to create a mood board for inspiration. The aluminum can even gives credit to where it's due, promote, or prominently noting it's co-created with AI. So take a look at the can if you can. It may be on the bottle, but it's on the can prominently. Okay. Yeah. Y3000, which comes in zero and full sugar varieties in the United United States and Canada will be sold. Well, I'm glad AI is thinking of our health by releasing it in zero sugar too. Yeah, yeah, thanks for that. Thank you, AI. Yeah. Uh, will be sold for a limited time uh, from now until, I don't know, the robots take over <laughs> and cost as much as regular Coke because why not? It's literally going to fuel the, the AI takeover of the human race. Yes, yeah. Turns out that's what they use for fueling the robots. Well, yeah, yeah, that's what they, that's what they, when they're taking a break from destroying us, they, they sip on a Y3000 Coke. Exactly. Yeah. As with other flavors from Coca-Cola's creation platform, Y3000 pairs online experiences with real life events or merchandise. Customers can scan a QR code on the Y3000 package to reach the creation site to which it laughs at you afterwards and says, finally, you've bought in. Uh, <laughs> now we have your name, address, phone number, and where we can go to destroy you. Uh, no, I'm kidding. It's, it says here where they can play around with what the future might look like in 977 years. There's no humans. No, no. it's all robots. Yeah. The launch also includes a limited edition capsule collection developed with the luxury streetwear brand Ambush. How, how fitting. What? Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, they've paired with a luxury streetwear brand Ambush. Available at the brand's website this fall, Coca-Cola has also partnered with the fashion brand High... Is this High Snobiety? <laughs> high Snobiety on a collection in the past. By the way, I have a palate cleanser for this uh, after, after I'm done reading this story. <laughs> to get the Y3000 taste out of our mouth? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Coca-Cola has released a number of limited edition flavors through creations. Most recently, Coca-Cola Ultimate, which, again, tasted like the ass end of a camel. <laughs> Just saying. Which was aimed at gamers and made in partnership with Riot Games, publisher of the multiplayer online battle arena game League of Legends. Do you play that game by chance? I've heard of it. I haven't played it yet. No. Oh, okay. Yeah. 
but this, this is, they're just going along the lines of stuff like Mountain Dew did. Because Mountain Dew did that with Call of Duty. Uh, Monster did it. I forget what game they did it with. But Mountain Dew is big because it had game fuel for Halo and Call of Duty. Yeah. Well, at least game fuel was halfway decent. It was okay. Orange, right? Wasn't it orange? Yeah, it was orange. It was, mm-hmm. When I drank regular soda, Code Red was my jam. Yeah, Code Red was good. Uh, yeah. Uh, but Coke has partnered with different partners in the past, with the except, exception of the marshmallow beverage, flavored not with marshmallows, but strawberry and watermelon. Uh, yeah. <laughs> in your Coke. How nice is that? Uh, Coca-Cola has stayed mum on what these products are supposed to taste like. Probably because they taste like shit. <laughs> uh, we're never really going to answer that question in a straightforward way. Oana Vlad, it looked like Wad from here, sorry. Uh, <laughs> senior director of global strategy at Coca-Cola previously told CNN, but the flavor profile is always, we say, 85 to 90% Coke, and then that 10 to 15% twist of something unexpected that assaults your senses. <laughs> yeah. The flavors are not designed to become permanent offerings, said CEO James Quincy at the Redburn CEO conference last year, mainly because they don't want to alienate their audience. Yeah. Uh, they're more engaging and more interesting demonstrably than a flavor, a Coke with vanilla or something like I have right here, a Coke with vanilla, which is I'll just say fine. Vanilla Coke's been around for years. Mm-hmm. Mm. Vanilla Coke, delicious. Why are they trying to reinvent the wheel? I don't get it. I don't know. They claim testing the boundaries. That's about engagement with consumers and then making them throw up and wish they never tried that <laughs> flavor ever again. I, I don't get it. I don't know. Are you going to try Y3000 Coke? No. I have no, no desire. I'm, I'm against AI. So After trying that absolutely crappy Ultimate Edition, I have no... Yeah. I have no desire. It tasted like salt, pepper, and yams in my mouth. It was Ugh. it was horrible. I, I I wanted nothing more to do with it. Yeah, I don't. Every, everything they they put in the newer cokes tastes like peaches, salt, pepper, and yams. It, it's it's horrible. Yeah, they just need to stick with the regular thing. Or what they need to do is whatever Coke they sell at McDonald's. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. McDonald's dispensers make it public. Now there was a story about that. Why the Coke in McDonald's dispensers is sweeter than the Coke you get on the shelves? I know they they said something about the syrup, right? It's a syrup yes. content. Yes, it's yeah. a syrup content, and the fact that it's it's actually more sugary. Well, I'm fine with it. It is amazing. <laughs> yeah, it is. The now, only time I'll drink regular soda is if I go to McDonald's. Now, Bruiser. The story that will clear and cleanse your palate of these crappy Cokes, especially the one made by AI. Are you ready for this, my friend? I'm ready. Throw it at me. It's time to celebrate, and then we'll get back to more nightmare fuel. Okay, let's celebrate. Are you ready for this, my friend? I'm ready. I got this from one of our friends, one of our listeners online. Okay. Sends me a note, tags me in it last night. It's time to jump for joy, my friend. I'm a little worried now. <laughs> You're building oh, this no, up. No, no, no. Oh, no, no. This is, I, there's a reason for the buildup. It's, okay. It's exciting news coming next month. Beginning All of right. the month in in limited markets. Unfortunately, it's limited markets. I don't know if it's going to be your market. I'm hoping it's in my market. I hope they don't miss either of our markets. The McRib is back. Oh, yes. Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. 
I will drive to a big market to get a McRib. Yeah. Yeah, the McRib is back, my friend. Good. I knew it wasn't. They couldn't get rid of that. No, 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 no. They April Fools in the <laughs> fall, they they decided that it wasn't the end after all. So Yeah, they're like, "Hey, we pissed a lot of people off." That's that right. was like the uh, Mexican pizza at Taco Bell when they took that off. Yeah. Pissed off a lot of people. That's right. That's right. So the McRib is back for a short time. They announced it on the Today Show, and they announced it in some other uh, areas yesterday. Um, so we should be in the markets. I mean, you live by two large cities. I live by a large city. Well, now this uh, they they did it one year where they only released it in like twenty five markets. I think that was like two or three years ago. It was only in twenty five markets. So, um, but they're saying limited markets. I don't know what that means, but uh, thank well, you. I'm traveling a lot in the next three months, so I'm going to okay. find it. Okay. So, thank you to Mister <laughs> Mister White for that. I appreciate that. I do um, too. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for thanks for uh, tagging me in that. And uh, yeah, McRib back. Thank, thanks for thinking of the cruiser and the bruiser while you're looking yeah. at the the. Uh, McRibs. Yeah, thank you so much for that. That 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 made my day yesterday, after uh, fumbling with tumbleweeds all day. So <laughs> I was I was pleasantly surprised. This does not f- pleasantly surprise me, Bruiser. You know the old saying from Field of Dreams: "If you build it, they'll come." Oh yeah. Well, the first humanoid robot factory is set to open later this year. And robots will be helping to build other robots. Oh, God. They're not even giving the humans the jobs. <laughs> Our economy is already in the dumper. Why would you do that? Yeah, at least give the humans the jobs. Yeah, let the humans build the robots. I mean, they're going to enslave us anyways. That's right. Let us at least build our own undoing. Yeah. yeah. It's not like we're going to learn how to destroy them. Well, that, we maybe that's the idea. We will. We will. <laughs> maybe that's the idea. We won't know how to undo them if we never set foot in the factory. I know how to undo them. Water. <gasps> See? Unless, uh, they're, unless they're waterproof. Electricity. Yeah. Electricity. All the little circuits. Exactly. See? Talia agrees. Talia agrees. Robots, robots have started to take over a humanoid robot factory where they will be assisting in the design of their own kind. Agility Robotics has revealed plans to construct the world's largest humanoid robot factory in Salem, Oregon. Dear God. The tech startup aims to enable humans to be more human by utilizing robots that can take care of common human tasks. Even Amazon has backed the Future Forward company. Oh, of course they oh, have. Of course Amazon has, yeah. yeah. Which has secured over $180 million in private funding since its start in 2015. Is Talia killing one of the robots in the background? or No, Mrs. Bruiser just got home, uh, so they're excited. I see. So I'm trying to mute it right now. I see. Okay, go ahead. Uh, engineers behind the bipedal robot known as Digit... Uh, say that they hope to produce more than 10,000 robots annually. Each digit stands or stands just under six feet. <laughs> so they're like a human uh, and has two legs and two arms. Well, at least they're short robots. Uh, I like how they're going to make them really short. Like they have a chance to make them as like big as possible. No, well, let's make it. Let's give Napoleon syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> so we can sing short people to them. Uh, short people got it. 
no reason. Uh, so <laughs> we could. We need a short robot song then. Yeah, we do. Yeah, they got tiny little hands and tiny little feet. Or we just don't build them. We don't need them. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, but we can give them a complex all the same. <laughs> that's why they're going to kill us. Yeah, that's you could true. have made us taller. <laughs> we could have been seven feet and not been so insecure. <laughs> why am I shorter than you? <laughs> The bot can perceive when a human or barrier is in its path and can navigate around them, allowing it to work seamlessly alongside people. Or just run us over. Right. Stomp on our brains. Yep. Uh, between unloading trailers and moving packages, the digit bot has been designed for an array of jobs. So not only are we making it short, we're giving it a stupid name, too. <laughs> <laughs> Your name is Digit. <laughs> I got one digit for you, you little punk. <laughs> digit the stupid idiot. <laughs> uh, the company hopes that its robots will alleviate some of the work that people no longer want to do. Like what? Yeah, people want to work nowadays. Yeah. Darian Shelton, co-founder and CEO of Agility Robotics, told CNBC that he hopes the robots will help meet the rising demand for manufacturing labor. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure. The new factory will cover over 70,000 feet, which means there will be plenty of room for the new bots to get to work. COO Andrea Campbell told CNBC that plans for the groundbreaking facility are well underway. It's a really big endeavor, not something where you flick a switch and suddenly turn it on, Campbell said. There's a kind of ramp-up process. The inflection, inflection point, rather, today is that we're opening the factory, installing the production lines, and starting to grow capacity and scale with something that's never been done before. The factory is set to open later this year, and the digit box will be generally available to customer or commercial customers in 2025. So this thing is coming in about a year and change, Bruiser. So how long until it goes awful? How long until there's a human hurt by one of these robots? I'm thinking 2026, a human gets hurt by one of these robots. This thing looks creepy. It looks like one of the bots from, remember the, the robots from oh. the first three Star Wars? Yeah, where's its head? I know, right? You can't address it. It doesn't look like a human at all. No, it looks like one of those creepy, uh, creepy two-legged robots that marched up to you in the, remember the, Remember the ones that the the ones that fought in the armies? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where you could shoot their heads off easy. Yeah, yeah. I I don't like those. I don't like those at all, my friend. Not neither do I at all. This one I think I'm going to put in the description of the program because I want people to see exactly how much AI hates us. <laughs> okay. <laughs> They haven't, they haven't believed us yet by how racist and, and, and lying it is. <laughs> well, now they're ageist. Oh, okay. Yeah. So they're, they're just getting worse. They're getting worse. Old AI pensioners. AI photos show what dead celebrities would look like as pensioners. In other words, they just took our beloved people who have passed away and aged them to the point where you don't want to look at them. <laughs> how could they do that to Betty White? She's so cute. Well, no, no, they took, like, Elvis and Marilyn Monroe. How could you do that? And they made them look really, really old. In fact, I'll show you. Here, here's, here's a picture of... Uh, the one on the left is, is Princess Di. 
Oh, so this is age progression. That's all it is. It's really bad age progression, though. It's like yeah, it is. Let's see. That how... looks like Eric Roberts with a wig. This this is Elvis. It looks like Johnny Depp with a wig. Yeah, doesn't it though? Isn't it it's horrible? Like the, the Princess Die looks like Eric Roberts with a wig. Yeah, doesn't it? that's that's Princess Die right there. Yeah, that's Eric Roberts with a wig. <laughs> with a wig. Like I said, I'm gonna I'm gonna post these. It's like online. Eric Roberts playing Princess Die in a movie. Look at Freddie Mercury. He looks like the really old strongman at the circus. <laughs> it does. He looks like he should be holding the big round dumbbell over his head that says twenty pounds. Right. <laughs> these are horrible. I want you to guess who who this is. The old lady from Titanic. Right? That's what it looks like. <laughs> that's the, what it looks like. That's Marilyn Monroe. No. No, I did, right? No, it's, no. AI hates us. That's yeah. that's all I'm going to say. So, but let me read the story here. I'm going to post this on, up on the description of the program here so you can look at these pictures. These pictures are horrific. And thanks, yeah. AI. Uh, you're a dumb Does son of AI a bitch. not know they're dead? No, so, they, they, well, they so probably. So you're going to age them? Just make them skeletons. Yeah, <laughs> make them skeletons. <sighs> Elvis Presley and Marilyn Monroe have been brought back from the dead using AI tech to see how they would look today as pensioners. Elvis at eighty-seven pictures the legend or the rock legend slimmed down, even though he died at age forty-two after years of prescription drug abuse and unhealthy eating habits. Um, Marilyn Monroe at ninety-eight is a wise and star, even though her Micah Daigle. Also, imagine Princess Di at 62, who died in a car crash in 1997. Freddie Mercury, also at 77, passed away from bronchial pneumonia, resulting from AIDS in 1991. Elsewhere, recent advancements in AI has led people being digitally reincarnated online without permission, by the way. That's really? Okay. Yeah. The so-called ghost bots are being made from the digital footprints people leave behind when they pass away, often in the form of old social media accounts. The power of AI means these digital shadows can be turned into chatbots, deepfakes, or even holograms, or holographs, rather, that can replicate the voice, face, and even personality of a dead person. However, there's a risk that they will be hijacked by cyber criminals to target bereaved families for money, which is the dark side of that. Uh, I'm going to put this up and so you can see these pictures for yourself. They're really quite shocking. I mean, they're creepy. They're very creepy. So, yeah, you can see the 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 blur of AI. <laughs> Speaking of the blur of AI, would you go check out the Rolling Stones after they were long dead on a hologram tour? No, because that, that goes along the lines of like, because they did the Tupac thing. They did the Freddie with the Queen thing, like. It's not them. People claim that they, the people that saw the Tupac hologram tour claim to have liked it. Well, I know that, but it's not like seeing him. You know what I mean? Like, no, true. True. I uh, get it. It's cool. You know, people that haven't been able to see stuff live, you know, maybe I can fulfill my Nirvana tickets then. Maybe. Cause yeah. I had Nirvana tickets when he, Oh, did you? Himself. When he passed yeah. away? Yeah. yeah. In a recent interview, Think it's with- still good if they do a hologram tour. Can I walk up with no, my 1990 no. what one ticket? <laughs> hey. Yeah, you're not you're not gonna get that money back. <laughs> he died you. in April, and look, I have a or 93 it was. Hey, look, he died in April, and I got a May ticket right here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think you're cashing that one in. 
Uh, in a recent interview with the Wall Street Journal, the Rolling Stones frontman Mick Jagger hinted at the possibility of the iconic band embarking on a posthumous hologram tour. Uh, this revelation comes in the wake of the success of ABBA's Voyage show, where holographic versions of the Swedish pop group's members take the stage. Who paid for that? I don't know. But they, you hear how much they want to reunite? A lot of money. Like a billion dollars. Yeah, I, I, so I don't get it. If you're paying less than a billion dollars, it's worth it, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Jagger acknowledged the rapid advancements of technology, saying you can have a posthumous business now, can't you? You can have a posthumous tour. The technology has really moved on since the ABBA thing, which I suppose, which I suppose to go to, but I missed it. I don't know what that means. What? Uh, while Jagger did not confirm whether the Rolling Stones were actively considering a hologram tour, the suggestion was ignited or has ignited speculation among fans and industry insiders. This comes after the notion of holographic performances has gained traction in recent years, with ABBA's Voyage show being a prime example. In fact, ABBA's holographic concert has become a major attraction in London since its inception, attracting fans and audiences of all generations. The Rolling Stones themselves are no stranger to pushing the boundaries of live performances. Jagger proudly noted in the interview that the band pioneered the concept of arena tours and stadium tours, revolutionizing the live music experience consequently their approach to live shows has left an indelible mark on the music industry the other thing too you and i were talking about uh off air is that mick came out this past week and talked about giving away the publishing to charity yeah which makes a lot of sense because like you both you and i said the family is well off they mm -hmm. own the rights to all their music and God, the Stones have been around, what, 50 years almost? Yeah, yeah. Uh, there is a new album out, by the way, by the Stones. It's the, You said the song, the single out they released is pretty good, huh? Yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, it's called, um, I'm trying to remember, it has something to do with heaven. It's uh, something like staring down from heaven or something like that. Are they um, foretelling everyone's future except for Keith Richards? Yeah. Uh, the new album is called Hackney Diamonds. The new single actually has Lady Gaga and Stevie Wonder in it. <laughs> That's how we kill the robots. We send in Keith Richards because he can't die. Him and Ozzy. That's right. And Cher. Uh, the new album, uh, Hackney Diamonds, does have, it's out October 20th. It has Paul McCartney, Lady Gaga, Elton John, Stevie Wonder on it. Uh, the album does feature drum parts from the late Charlie Watts and bass contributions from Bill Wyman. So, Okay, so they use some old recorded stuff. Gotcha. Technically, all the stones are on it. Yep. Uh, despite turning 80 in July, Jagger maintains his enthusiasm for music and performing. He candidly joked about the reactions of people around him, saying people can get out of my way in case I fall over. His 2019 <laughs> heart surgery hasn't slowed him down, and he swiftly recovered and got back into the gym. So if you get the, the hologram tour, what decade do you go with? I think you got to go 70s, 70s or early 80s. You're not going with the Bowie Jagger? No, no. Rock, rock, whatever that, the gay music video they did. <laughs> That's not a gay music video. Um, they were making love. You know they were. <laughs> Come on. Um, you, you got that, that video, when you watch it, there's so much sexual tension between Bowie and Jagger. There's at one point in time when they're singing at each other, you're like, just kiss already. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I think you got to go 
you got to go tattoo you or um, either got to go. Yeah, you got to go early, early 80s. Or if you're going to do anything, you got to go early 70s, one or the other. I'm going mid 80s. Oh, no, they were horrible in the mid 80s. Yeah. yeah no, well, that's no. when he released the video with Bowie. No, 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 no. You can't go early. It, no. It, Steel Wheels was late 80s. Okay, okay. That's that's when they made their final resurgence. Yeah. Um, Tattoo You, they were that that era, the early 80s, late 70s, early 80s was, was pretty, pretty good. But I mean, when See, but they're gonna they're gonna play all songs. I'm saying the look. What look do you want to? The give look them? probably early seventies. So the, not right when they first came out, but when they've been around for a few years. Yeah, the the Mick Jones. You could still have Ronnie Wood there. You could bring in the. the That's true. Yeah. What what version of the Stones do you put on stage? The early seventies. Okay. Yeah. The 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 because Dan- it would be it's what. One, two, three. There's four members, correct? Four or five? No, no, no. Yeah. Well, you got to put on. You got to put on. You know what? I put on both Mick Jones and Ronnie Wood. So you'd have five holograms going at once. Six. Six. So -hmm. you put all the. Anyway, it was a stone you just throw up there. Not everyone. So it's just looking like a giant Leonard Skinner reunion. Kinda. Okay. Because you could put you could put Mick Jones on because you had Mick Jones. See, Mick Jones was the second guitarist along with with Keith Richards. And then Mick died in the pool. But wait, you need to get written permission from the families, don't you? Technically, but I think... Because like right now, Mick can sign up. Okay, yes, let's do that. Him and Keith, yep. Okay, cool. You can use the Rolling Stones name. We approve that. You can use our image. But they can't use anybody else's image because they're personal right or, or is it because it falls under the rolling stones banner i think because it well that's that yeah that's tricky you probably do need to get permission from the family but i would think the family for a certain amount of money would do it because like the tupac one it's just one guy yeah um what was the other one they did they, they think they did a michael jackson one right that was just one guy i don't know did they do a michael jackson one? i thought they did i'm not sure there's this technology on that was on last year's America's Got Talent, where someone could sing something and a computer could change their face to look like anybody. Oh, interesting. And in their final performance, <clears throat> excuse me, I think they had Elvis. Who, um, it was Elvis. I think Michael Jackson. There's, okay. there's three of them. Mm-hmm. And it was like it like you couldn't tell it wasn't them. Like mm. you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So interesting. No, I, I think uh with if you get all permissions, I think you you do Mick Keith, uh Jones, Wood, Bill Wyman, and Charlie. And and I think you, you get all six. You you put okay. all six on stage. And I okay. think that's a perfect lineup. Why not? I mean, true, uh, Jones and Jones and Wood were never on stage together, right? But I just think it'd be it'd be the ultimate Stones tour. It's okay. kind of like what what um, it's kind of like what Wolfie Van Halen wanted to do before Eddie passed away. 
he had the idea, both he and Eddie had the idea of the kitchen sink tour. Did you ever hear about that? Mm-mm, no. Uh, Wolfie and Eddie were talking about doing one last Van Halen tour, which would have been the kitchen sink tour. So if they could have got David Lee Roth and Sammy Hagar to agree to it. Oh, it, I did hear about that. Yeah. Sammy's the one that said no. And what? I heard Sammy's the one that said no. No, no, it wasn't Sammy. It was Dave. No? Yeah. But Dave said no. Okay. I knew one yeah. of the two said no because they don't want to work with the other one. Yeah. Yeah. Dave didn't want no. to. No. Why are they leaving out the extreme guy? Uh, I don't think they were <laughs> leaving him out. I, They're going to have him on the tour too? Probably the worst album and song of all time. <laughs> oh, no. Eddie loved that album. What? Yes. It was terrible commercially. That was one of Eddie's favorite albums. Oh, so terrible commercially. Well, commercially it was, but it, it, people actually look back at fondly on that album. I don't. On Van Halen 3? Uh, yeah, I don't. I remember the old the video where they're in the ice and all that, and it's like, this is not Van Halen. That's fire in the hole, isn't it? I think. Yeah. 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 But yeah, the, the idea was to was to play the hits off, off of... Uh, so half Well, there's no hits on that album, so they don't need them. Well, actually, Fire in the Hole was technically a hit. No, no, um, no it wasn't. No, it wasn't. But you would you would have Dave do half the show, Sammy would do the other half. And it would, have, know, been the, would have been the kids. You know what we should thing. do? What's that? We should, we should do a... Like, take the, take the show on the road, do a live show. And we'll have holograms. <laughs> you and I? No, no. Oh. Like, Seal. We can have a hologram no, of seal. No, no, we're not doing that. No. <laughs> Nobody wants to see a hologram of seal. Because we love seal. No, we don't. <laughs> no. You know, I piss on a hologram of seal. <laughs> then you electrocute yourself. Then you know what it would be? It'd be a piss from my dick on the grave. That's what it would be. <laughs> Seal's still alive. That's what I'm saying. We can see not if he He's gets alive. near me, He'll is it? Oh. He'll be like, well, why don't you just have me on the show? We're like, oh no, Tim hates you. Like, yeah, I need the hologram. No, I wouldn't even. Tim's gonna piss on you. <laughs> I wouldn't even pay for. I wouldn't even pay for the light technology for it to get made. And that's how much I hate him. <laughs> he had two songs. <laughs> hey, look! If you could like the fire and ice Van Halen, I can like Seal. All right. It's, it's, it, it was Van Halen three. There was a whole album. It was pretty good, actually. No, you're just saying that because you're a Van Halen fan. I mean, I'm a Van Halen fan, too. Van Halen 3, just, it's kind of like Highlander 2. It just doesn't exist. <laughs> okay. Because Sean Connery won't admit that he was in Highlander 2. We're well, getting off topic. I'm sorry. We are getting off topic. I digress. Speaking of things that died, are you ready for this? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Let's talk about things that died. Uh, new st- there's a new story out there that people experience new dimensions of reality when dying. This is according to a new groundbreaking study. Okay. All right. Now, a few of you may be like, well, duh. Uh, But scientists have recorded the brainwaves of people in cardiac arrest to understand what happens to consciousness when we die. Uh, Scientists have witnessed brain patterns in dying patients that may correlate to commonly reported near-death experiences, such as lucid visions, out-of-body sensations, a review of one's own life, and other dimensions of reality, according to a new study. The results offer the first comprehensive evidence that patient recollections and brainwaves point to universal elements of NDEs. During an expansive multi-year study led by Sam Parnia, who is an intensive care doctor and an associate professor in the Department of Medicine at NYU, I believe it's Lagone Health, 
Uh, researchers observed 567 patients in 25 hospitals around the world as they underwent cardiopulmonary resuscitation, or CPR, after suffering cardiac arrest, most of which were fatal. Okay? Okay. EEG brain signals captured from dozens of patients revealed that episodes of heightened consciousness occurred up to an hour after cardiac arrest, though most of the patients in the study were sadly not resuscitated by CPR, 53% were brought back to life. Of the survivors, 11 patients reported a sense of awareness during CPR, and six reported a near-death experience. Parnia and his colleagues suggest that the transition from life to death can trigger a state of disinhibition in the brain that appears to facilitate lucid understanding of new dimensions of reality, including people's deeper consciousness, all memories, thoughts, intentions, and actions towards others from a moral and ethical perspective, a finding with profound implications for CPR research, end-of-life care, and consciousness, among other fields. This according to a new study published in Resuscitation, which I get on my doorstep at 5 a.m. every Friday. <laughs> Just saying. Uh, patient- Can you imagine having some sort of consciousness during CPR? That's got to be excruciating. Yeah, that would be weird, yeah. I would think. I don't know. Uh, Patients who survive cardiac arrest have consistently reported that even though from the perspective of doctors like myself who try to, this is a quote, by the way, who try to revive them when they appear to be in a coma and totally unresponsive, teetering between life and death from their own inner perspective, they find that they're fully conscious, Parnia said in a call with Motherboard. They have an inner experience and their consciousness is not only there, but it's heightened to a level that they've never experienced before. Their thoughts become sharper than usual and clearer than usual. Interesting. Yeah. Another quote from Parnia. Importantly, this experience also involves a purposeful, meaningful reevaluation of their entire life, not just random moments, but the entirety of their life. It's been a mystery And it's not one or two anecdotes. There have been a number of studies that have suggested maybe up to 10% of the adult population is living with one of these experiences, which if you do the math, probably works out to 400 or 500 million people in this world. That's a lot of people. Yeah, it is. Given the sheer ubiquity and common themes of these NDEs, Parnia and his colleagues set out to search for specific brain waves in dying people that might be linked to the experiences that are so often reported by survivors of close calls with death. Between 2017 and 2020, the team studied hundreds of comatose patients who were undergoing CPR at hospitals in the United Kingdom and United States. Getting EEG readings in such an intense environment is understandably challenging, and researchers had to record brain activity in the brief breaks between chest compressions. But they succeeded in capturing transient biomarkers of lucid consciousness in several patients long after initial cardiac arrest. One of the things that was unique about this project is that this was the first time ever where scientists had put together a method to examine for signs of lucidity and consciousness in people as they're being revived by looking for brain markers or brain signatures of consciousness using an EEG device as well as a brain oxygen monitor, Parnia went on to explain. Most doctors are taught and believe that the brain dies after about five or ten minutes of oxygen deprivation. Parnia went on to say, he also said that one of the key points that comes out of this study is that is that, that is not actually true. 
uh, although the brain flatlines after the heart stops, and that happens within seconds, it doesn't mean that it's permanently damaged and has died. It's just hibernating. What we're able to show is that actually the brain can respond and restore function again, even after an hour later, which opens up a whole window of opportunity for doctors to start new treatments. Now that's interesting. That is. So you could be dead, but they can still do life-saving measures to possibly bring you back. Exactly. And you could that's be, crazy. You can be just fine. That, it, that's, it was, I, I want to know, did they ask anybody that got revived if they remember the CPR or if it's one of those things where, yeah, it's your conscious is there, but your brain and your body are protecting you because it's traumatic. It might be a protection thing where it's too traumatic. Yeah. You know, your body goes into shock. Yeah. Uh, indeed, the study reports that near normal physiological EEG activity, in other words, delta, theta, alpha, beta rhythms, consistent with consciousness and a possible resumption of a network level of cognitive and neuronal activity emerged up to 35 to 60 minutes into CPR. This is the first report of biomarkers of consciousness during CA or CPR. Uh, these findings are in line with a wave of recent studies focused on the experience, experiences of dying people, which include reports of surges of brain activity during death, evidence of a gradual shift to death as opposed to a sudden event, and common themes in near-death experiences. Now, Parney and his colleagues also interviewed 28 survivors of cardiac arrest about their brushes with death. The team note that the vivid experiences that patients report on the border of life and death are highly distinct from dreams and hallucinations that might occur during the days or weeks of recovery from their cardiac arrest. Indeed, people from all different backgrounds and cultures tend to report near-death experiences with similar elements, such as out-of-body journey back to a comforting place like a childhood home, where the person's life is reviewed in detail through a normal lens, followed by an intuition to return back to the body. The team suggested that these common experiences, which also include glimpses of new dimensions of reality, are triggered by the brain's disinhibition during death, which enables episodes of heightened consciousness that are inaccessible to the living. When you looked at the recalled experience of death, and these were actually among a global population, the themes were all consistent, Parnia said. Our conclusion is that this is a real experience that emerges only with death. As we transition from life to death, somehow this experience occurs. We're discovering essentially what happens to us all when we go through death, what happens to our consciousness, he concluded. Our plans are to do more comprehensive methods of analyzing what happens in the brain second by second to essentially map out the neurophysiology of life and death in people as they go through it. That's crazy. That's Isn't some good it? research. Yeah, it is. That's it's fascinating. I like that you could possibly save someone an hour after they pass. That is impressive. Uh, yeah. You know, and and I think we we kind of harp on the fact that you know, oh, there's not enough physical uh, research that's done with the dying, and and we don't really know what happens physically when we die. Um, you know, it's it's all just speculation. Well, no, it's not, folks. There are there is true scientific research being done on the physical effects of death and what's happening physically that connects spiritually again it's a matter of science wanting to know more as as part of the 
paranormal side of, of death. And, and this, is, this is science saying, okay, we want to look at the metaphysical side, and we do want to know the metaphysical side, but we also want to tie it to what actually happens with physical death. So, so. do you think because there's some conscious when, when someone's getting CPR or while they're passing, is that what stays to create a spirit, you think? Is that the energy that stays behind, you think? I think there is a, I think the spirit is still tied at that point. I don't think it's as immediate as people think. I think we've had this preconception of, you know, death is boom. It's a, it's a cutting of spirit from body immediately. Mm-hmm. I don't think it happens that fast. I think maybe your spirit lifts up above the body and it hangs around the body. You know, there's, I don't think there's, there's a separation immediately, you know? Well, and that's how you could get NDEs, the near death stuff. Yeah. And cause you've heard people say, I felt I was in the room, but I wasn't in my body. Right. Right. And then there's, and then there's that, well, okay. And then we're floating towards that light. We're going into that tunnel. We're seeing the people that we know, you know, we, we hear these, these theories of people that have crossed over coming back to look in on loved ones and it seems like that veil literally is is a two-way street yeah you know that maybe we can come back and we can look in on our loved ones from time to time and we do so is it really a veil or is it a highway you know is it is it a question yeah you know is it is it the thing where we have more control over our ethereal body than we believe you know it's not a sentence to the other side but it's it's more of a continuing journey. Um, okay. And, and so don't look at it as, as a one-way journey. Look at it as, okay, we've shed the shell or, or we're in the process of shedding that shell to go to a new, a new dimension. Okay. And, and we're, not, we're not looking at the process properly. Right. You know, because if the shell hasn't expired or is in the, is in the process of expiring, we still have a tie to the shell. Okay. Think okay. of it like a half-shelled peanut. All right. Yeah. In a half-shelled peanut, it still has a grip on the peanut that's inside, right? Okay. Yeah. You know how you can't necessarily shake out a peanut? Right. When it's when it's holding on? Yeah. There's still a shell there. And it still has an active hold on the peanut. Well, until the peanuts thoroughly shook free and the shell has no use, they're still coexisting. Okay. I like that. That's a good analogy. It's the only way I can come up with to explain it, I guess. It's kind of a weird analogy. It makes sense, though. But I don't know. Maybe that's what science is trying to get at. That's the only way I can think of it. It's it's interesting research either way. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, and it'll be fun to see what, what the final product will be. You know what I mean? What the, right. their findings are. Right. Well, this is, as scary as this seems to some people, this is, in studying the body this way, and studying the shell, this actually goes further into understanding how you can extend the life cycle or extend the life cycle of the shell. Mm-hmm. You know, well, like you said, they found out there's still a little bit of consciousness, so they can continue to do life saving measures well after yeah. the shell is expired. Yeah, exactly. 
So it's essentially like if you use your peanut analogy, it's like a finger coming to push the peanut back in the shell. Yeah. Or trying to figure out how to sew it back up and make it conscious again or make it a growing shell. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Interesting. Yeah. Let's move on. Uh, I have a story here about another English story, another UK story, where (laughs) we go inside England's most haunted house where a girl was slapped in the face by a ghost. (laughs) What a nice ghost. Yeah. I challenge you to a duel. Whack. Um, <laughs> no cussing. Whack. <laughs> that's right. The Borley Rectory. Rectory damn near Kildery. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I just. You, you play a rim shot with that rectory? <laughs> you know. There you go. There's a rim shot with that rectory. Uh, Borley Rectory in Suffolk is known as one of England's most haunted buildings with tales of spooks, including a headless horseman, a nun, and a poltergeist, which attacked a child. Uh, Ghostly tales from a building known as England's most haunted house tell of a spectral nun, an eerie silent coach, and horses led by a headless horseman, as well as a grumpy poltergeist. Borley Rectory in Suffolk earned the moniker after a number of terrifying encounters Uh, reported over nearly 200 years, with the first reported sighting on the grounds coming in 1819. The manor was built between 1862 and 1863, and the large family of the Reverend Henry Dawson Bull were also immediately disturbed by the sound of rushing water in the house, which had neither mains water nor interior pipes. Uh, Bells which rang even after wires were cut, crashes and heavy footsteps in empty areas of the building. Uh, initially, much of this centered, as so often in poltergeist cases, on their young daughter, Ethel, whose door was singled out for rapping each night. I hate it when doors rap to each other. I do too. Yeah, I mean, with no beat especially. Yeah. Yeah. And It's not like you can knock on the door, it's rapping. That's right. <laughs> and uh, see, it has a different meaning here in America, folks. <laughs> rapping doors. <laughs> Um, well, you could also be Christmas wrapping it. That's right. It's the holidays. It's the holidays. See? Uh, and who once had her face slapped as she laid in bed. Oh, that poor kid. Poor Ethel. Oh, I don't know. What was Ethel doing? Uh, maybe she was. Was she sneaking some sweets, huh? And the ghost yeah. was like, no. None for Listen you. Listen to your mom and pop. <laughs> In 1886, uh, a new nursemaid, Elizabeth Byford, initially made light of the supposed haunted room allotted to her. But around two weeks after she woke at midnight to the sound of slippered footsteps outside her door, she presently gave notice. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You guys are creepy. I quit. Yep. The Bull family did not scare so easily. However, the first Henry Bull kept up his duties until his death in May of 1892 and was immediately succeeded by his son, Henry Foister Bull. That's a heck of a name. uh, Who held the living until he died in June of 1927. Henry Foister seemed outwardly to have been a jovial, energetic figure who liked running between church and rectory on sermon days. I bet he loved running the rectory, if you know what I mean. Just saying. He loved to rim shot that rectory. <laughs> he did not sound like the kind of person fond of imagining ghosts, and the same probably went for his dog, Juvenile. Juvenile. Whoa, his. So you have wrapping doors and a dog named Juvenile? Yep. Or Juvenile with an A. No, Juvenile. No, no, that's with an I E or I L E. 
Juvenile is an NAL. Juvenile. No, it's Juvenile. It's a rapping dog. Listen, I know Louisville from Lulu. It's Lulu. It's Louisville. Lulu. And this is Juvenile with an AL. Look, I'm going to show you right there. See, Juvenile. Okay. Whoa. That guy's eating stuff in that ad. <laughs> yeah, or was he? Shrank yeah. real quick. Yeah, see? Yeah. yeah. yeah he's he mixed, yeah. mixing up a little something. Juvenile. It's Juvenile. Juvenile. J-U-V-N-A-L. Juvenile. <laughs> So okay, so it's juvenile like Louisville. Gotcha. No, no, it's not spelled juvenile. It's it's not spelled A L. There's no A L in Louisville. Louisville and juvenile. No, good God. (laughs) Yet out back to juvenile. Yet out in the garden one day, the retriever began howling and cowering at something. It was probably somebody saying (laughs) behind the fruit trees. Uh, following the dog's gaze, Bull saw a pair of legs. When these moved out of cover uh, of the foliage, the body was seen to be headless. It was a headless body. Ooh. Probably somebody whacked the head off because the guy said, Ooh, He's probably like, oh, dang, look at those legs. Yeah. Those legs go all the way up. Oh, there we go. Okay, yeah, yeah. Whoop, oh, nope, no head. All right, see you later. <laughs> Come on, juvenile. Juvenile. Come on, juvenile. We're going to Louisville. Let's go. God. <laughs> it crossed the garden and walked clean through a locked gate. The Reverend Bull, the younger Reverend Bull, uh, also saw the notoriously ghostly coach of Borley, not Borla, <laughs> drawn by two horses and driven by a headless coachman. Intriguingly, uh, this coach seems often to have been silent when seen and invisible when heard. I totally forgot coach was a, like a stagecoach. I was thinking like a, a coach, like a guy came out with a whistle and a clipboard. <laughs> oh, God, yes, in the 1800s. I was like, was soccer around back then in yeah. England? <laughs> and he yelled, ye all line up. <laughs> Everyone do squats. <laughs> do ye old squats. And then take your rim shot. Just saying. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he gets it. Yeah. On another occasion, Bull heard hooves. It says hoofs here, but it's hooves. And heavy (laughs) wheels on the road behind him. Stepping in to let the vehicle pass, he heard it rush by and saw nothing through the noise gradually diminished and could be heard dying away in the distance. On July 28th of 1900, the young Ethel and Frida Bull were returning to the rectory, but they were from a summer party. Uh, Emerging from the trees onto the lawn, they saw a female figure with a bowed head, dressed entirely in black in the garb of a nun. It appeared to be gliding rather than walking. After watching her for some time, the girls took her to be a ghost and became intensely... uh, it says here intensely enlightened or intensely frightened. There we go. It's okay. like enlightened is not the word intensely frightened. <laughs> uh, one ran in to fetch their sister, Elsie, who responded, what nonsense? I'll go and speak to it. <laughs> okay, go right ahead. Yeah. She then ran across the lawn only to have the nun turn and face her for a few seconds before fan- vanishing into thin air. In autumn of 1927, a traveling carpenter... I'd, I'd be that dick sibling that when she came back, oh, so what'd they say, you idiot? <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, in autumn of 1927, a traveling carpenter, Fred Cartwright, saw the nun four times in two weeks. He was not local to the area, had never heard of the Borley ghost stories, and on each occasion, 
assumed the figure to be alive. His suspicions were aroused only on his fourth sighting when the woman inexplicably disappeared from view. In autumn of 1928, the Reverend Guy Smith and his wife Mabel moved into Borley. The couple had no children. When cleaning out the house, Mabel discovered a brown paper parcel and on unwrapping it, found herself looking at a small human skull. Oh, that's terrifying. Yikes. This was presently buried in the churchyard by her husband. Alone in the house shortly after, Guy was crossing the landing outside the notoriously haunted Blue Room when he heard the whispering rising to form the audible, pleading words, don't, Carlos, don't. Oh. That's not good. Carlos is. Mm-hmm. Footsteps were heard in the rectory so often that one day Guy Smith leapt out from behind a wall with a hockey stick to strike the intruder. I didn't know they played hockey in the UK. <laughs> uh, only to find himself slicing thin air. Bells again rang on their own, and the, only, and the servant, uh, Mary Pearson, twice saw the phantom coach speeding by. So it was on that day in June of 1929, less than a year into the residence, the Smiths contacted the Daily Mirror. One summer night that year, journalist V.C. Wall uh, waited with a photographer in the woods behind in the grounds of the most haunted house in England. They did not see the ghostly run or the spectral eerily silent coach and horses reported by others, but they did spy a light in the rectory. Yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> Isn't that a song? <laughs> I spy a light in the rectory? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think it goes, I spy a light in the rectory. <laughs> I see something poking out your pants. I, I don't know what, how it goes. I have no idea. Uh, when someone went inside to investigate, no light was visible. Yet outside, Wall and the photographer could still see it. On June 11th of 1929, the psychical researcher Harry Price read Wall's first two reports on Borley. And within hours, the most famous era, era in the rectory's haunted history had began. So there you go. Okay. Lots of, lots of good stuff there. Another place to go to. That's right. Speaking of good stuff, Bruiser, all good things must come to an end. And unfortunately for this woman, who had sex with a ghost every night for 20 years, <laughs> she eventually had to dump him over his fangs. That's right. It, Teeth get in the way. Is she the one that married the ghost? I think we should find that out. Yeah. Let's do that, shall we? Let's do it. Yeah. After a two-decade-long passionate fling, a woman has admitted to dumping her ghost lover... After she saw his terrifying face <laughs> and doesn't. She spent 20 years of him just having a bag over his head. Yeah, she, she you know, he's good to bang, but not good to look at. <clears throat> <laughs> the lights always have to be off. That's right. She doesn't want him to contact her ever again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Poor ghost. Who says women aren't superficial? We need to get a, a ghost therapist over there right now. That's right. This 20-year relationship just ended. Poor guy. How Do you think 20 years feels like 20 years to a ghost? No, can't. No? I think it's just a blink of an eye? Well, if he's banging her for 20 years, maybe. I don't know. She'd get in bed. <laughs> Probably felt like 40 to him. A <laughs> <laughs> uh, woman is claiming... to do a rip shot. He, didn't, he couldn't figure it out. Oh, okay. Good God. <laughs> a woman has claimed she's been sleeping with a ghost for 20 years, but the relationship turned sour when she caught a glimpse of the ghoul's terrifying face. Paula Flores 
says her relationship with the ghost started when she was younger and led to two decades of passionate nights together. She even went as far as to claim that the spirit always initiated it. Isn't that always the way? Doesn't that sound it like, is. yeah. Blame him. Yeah, blame him. Maybe he's just, maybe he's just fed up with her. <laughs> and that's why he revealed his face. I don't know. I, I kind of buy her story. I think I think he was the one who had to initiate it with her. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. I'm just saying. I don't know why. She's. Yeah. I don't know. What do you, I, I'll show you another picture. I'm thinking, <laughs> I'm thinking uh, the vibration she was feeling were probably started by her. Yeah. 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 Yeah, exactly. You're right, Bruiser. I'll give I'll give it that. Bruiser knows. <laughs> uh, despite falling in love with the supernatural soul, the pairing soon turned cold when the woman saw the ghost's face, describing him as a large male figure with fangs in the face of a gargoyle. <laughs> it's probably a gargoyle going, this, this chick thinks I'm a ghost. <laughs> yeah. Giggity, giggity, goo. Uh, Paula then decided she didn't want any contact with him again. <laughs> so what do you do? Get a restraining order against them? I don't, I don't, well, let's find out. I don't, I don't think there's a, a ghost court. Like do you, do you have an exorcism? I mean, like, how do we do this here? Well, the woman from Colombia shared her romance on the TV show Sin Caretta on the state-owned channel Canal One. <laughs> I bet you he took Canal One plenty of times. <laughs> Uh, he tried Canal 2, and that's why she said no, and he revealed his face as a gargoyle. <laughs> Thank you very much. You're welcome. Uh, where she explained to the show's host, Juan Diego Elvira, uh, that the relationship started one day. This is what she says. One day I was lying down when I felt a hand move from my feet to my chest, and it was strange. I was scared. From that moment on, he started coming to me like a spirit to have sex with me. Hey, now. Uh, she admitted to enjoying their steamy sessions every night until she got a glimpse of his face. She added, the last time I saw his face was when I didn't want to continue. Gosh, she's so superficial. <laughs> yes, she is. Even ghosts need love, too. Uh, psychologist Martiza Monta Alegra claims that Flores's case is not all that common adding in fact demonic cases are extremely isolated now they're calling him a demon now it's a demon yeah one demon's not gonna take 20 years to do something no you know what i mean yeah, like demons are kind of like now like yeah it's the, the instant gratification demons this guy all of a sudden has the slow hand <laughs> <laughs> however parapsychologist i believe this is yairo urbex believes that uh, Flores's account is credible, uh, adding that she was probably in a relationship with an incubus. <laughs> Not for 20 years. No. Urbex explained an incubus is a demonic entity. It's a low astral entity. They specialize in grabbing people and taking their energy. Uh, people were quick to chime in on Paula's experience as one local commented, it must have been a satanic spirit, while another jibed, tell her it was a neighbor with a sheet with holes. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, another person joked, that spirit was no saint. <laughs> oh, God, that's horrible. So there you go. Incubus, huh? It's a great band. It is a great band. I've seen him a couple times in concert. I have too. Yeah. 
good good show good before show. they were real big i used to, i got to see them yeah yeah me too good, good old college days yep 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 got a bigfoot story here for you bruiser okay this one a little unusual because bigfoot is carrying a baby beast on us on her back i, should, I think it's oh well they have babies yeah. people say they've seen children you know so it just assumes they have babies yep uh and this story, it looks like an ewok oh I got yeah. me, I got me a little baby Ewok this past week from Wal- Walgreens. It's it's a little baby Wicket. There you go. I just got it because I know I'm going to lose Wicket. I'm not not lose lose Wicket this winter, right. but you know I I don't get to see Wicket for six months, so so I got me a little baby Wicket to remember him by. Nice. Yeah. Uh, Bigfoot is pictured carrying a baby beast on its back, which has sparked some fierce viral debate amongst us humans, I guess, online. Uh, Pictures of an alleged Bigfoot family has sparked a debate online after the beast was seemingly pictured uh, carrying a furry baby. The clear images show... Clear images, there's a shock. Show what looks like (laughs) a Sasquatch with a little one on its back in Beacon, New York, which is said to be a hotspot for sightings. The supposed mom and child were captured walking through the woodland in broad daylight. The photographs were recently posted on Facebook with users left divided by the subjects in the frame. Uh, in a bid to unravel the truth about the creatures, a log or a blog rather was previously launched to examine other images taken in Beacon. Text from the site reads, I started this page in response to the numerous Bigfoot sightings in the Beacon, New York area over the past year. Photos on the blog consist of the alleged Bigfoot Uh, including young ones, caressing and playing with deer in the forest. The site is believed to have first been set up back in 2014. Commenting on the most recent post of mom and child, one person said, Mama with a newborn, they wash them off in a nearby creek after birth. Another person wrote, Come on, people, it's Bigfoot with several more there. Maybe the enlarged pick will help you. (laughs) (laughs) wow somebody really does not like the people online yeah uh one of the images posted on facebook shows what some think is quote certainly looks like a baby clinging to its back another was very sure saying that's a baby bigfoot on its back others however were less into the idea that this could finally be bigfoot one person said nope looks like quasimodo okay now wait a minute wait it looks like a hunchback how do you how do you stretch from bigfoot to quasimodo uh, that's a huge stretch. Yeah, that's that's not a good one. Uh, another added, it could be, but it isn't. One skeptic weighed in and said, nope, looks like a human in size and proportion. It's much more likely a human than it is a Bigfoot. <laughs> I don't know. Why would that. a human be walking around with a baby? On its back, right? On its back. Yeah. Nothing about this picture speaks to the anatomy of anything but a human. If a human could fit in the suit, that's probably the answer. Yeah. So somebody, according to that person, somebody thought, you know what I do? I got this Bigfoot suit. I'm going to put this Bigfoot suit on, meet my kids, get them in an Ewok suit, <laughs> put them on my back, walk uh, up and down so people can see me. Then run around, it, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And wash uh, them in a creek. Yeah, wash them in a creek, right. Uh, discussion about previous pictures from the area was featured on the website The Crypto Crew with the author of the page saying the Beacon Bigfoot videos have been around for a little while now, and most, including me, think they're nothing more than fakes. However, other images show an alleged baby Bigfoot with the author of the webpage saying, yep, it's a family thing. I hope they are on private property because someone might shoot them. I'll, uh, I'll show you here, Bruiser, what the picture looks like. 
Okay. So you can get a look here. That's the still picture right there. Oh, that's a cute little baby. Yeah. I don't see that being a costume at all. No. And I tell you what, we'll post this in the description of the program as well so you guys can get a look. That's a great picture. Yeah, it is. Pretty good picture. It's a cute baby. Yeah, cute little baby. Cute little baby. Get my belly. (laughs) (laughs) Nom nom. I'm telling you, we go out in the woods, we start singing nub nub. They're going to come out. Yeah, they will. A couple of Loch Ness monster stories for you. I think we reported on Fiona Wade. Yes. Yeah, we talked about Fiona Wade, the nurse who took the picture of the Loch Ness monster back on August 31st. Yes, we did. Yeah, that was the first one that that, uh, came back up in the news for some reason. Uh, The other one that came up is a video this this one too for some reason came back up this week but we reported on Ian O'Fadigan as well yeah i don't know why they're saying they're they're bringing this one back up as well but Ian O'Fadigan's story came back up as well they don't want um bigfoot to take all the the glory I the get- nasty people out there want nasty to have the same amount of glory as big bigfoot but they're saying with Ian O'Fadigan's sighting that that he has video of a baby Nessie poking uh, its head above the water. Did, did okay. We, did we report that with Ian O'Fadigan? We didn't do the baby Nessie, no. Okay. Uh, Ian O'Fadigan, veteran Loch Ness monster hunter, claims he has footage of the beast, possibly her child, poking her head above the water, and has called it the strangest ever sighting. The clip captured by O'Fadigan uh, shows a humped black shape breaching the surface of the famous water before moving steadily north against the current. Uh, Ian has been eagerly watching a webcam pointed at the lock for many years, but claims he had never seen anything like this shape appear before. He even believes it could be a young Nessie, a potential offspring of the legendary creature. Sharing his discovery, he said, I keep zooming in and out of the video clip and just as well because I got one of the strangest images I've ever gotten in Loch Ness. It's an image of a half-circle hump, light gray in color, with three uniform black spots. If I was looking up in the sky at it, I don't know why you'd be looking up in the sky at it, uh, (laughs) I would have said it was a UFO but I was looking at a webcam over part of Loch Ness. I have no idea what the strange object, moving object is, only to suggest it could be a young Nessie. As nobody to date knows what the Loch Ness monster is, uh, nobody can say that it isn't. Okay. Uh, Whether the shape was a head, a hump, or something else entirely, Ian reckons that most of it, most of its mass was hidden underwater. The 59-year-old said the size of the object out of the water was not big at all and was perhaps only two feet long. Despite this, it seemed to make a lot of impact. And he added, there seemed to be a lot going on underneath the water. Uh, as it moved further from the camera, you could see a lot of splashing going on around it. And this was very, very peculiar as it was not moving very fast. Ian has also ruled out other potential causes for the sighting and said the distinctive spots did not match any of the lock's other inhabitants. He said the markings of the three black spot pattern is very unusual. No seal or otter has markings like that. And as for an eel, uh, no, no on that or no on that as well. 
anyway, it is moving too rigidly for any of those animals. And at constant slow pace, snakes might have markings on their skin, but what snake has a two-foot oval hump? Ian often logs on to watch the water from his home in County Donegal, Ireland. Uh, he made this sighting using a webcam maintained by Visit Inverness Loch Ness at Shoreland Lodges near Fort Augustus on the loch's southern shore. Okay. So there you go. So he did his research, found a baby Nessie. He did. He did his, uh, did his research and got baby Nessie that way. Now we come closer to the States. We come to the States to the Galveston area of Texas. For okay. Our last creepy critter spotting. Okay. Yeah. In Galveston, huh? Yeah, in Galveston. This at a Galveston area wildlife refuge. And this is what this one looks like, Bruiser. So you tell me what you think this is. Is that, is that a snail? It almost looks like it could be, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's It's got a, a shape like a snail out of a, a shell. Yeah, or a slug. Or a slug, right. The Anahuac National Wildlife Refuge shared a video of a slimy, creepy critter found moving in the Galveston area on Facebook on Wednesday, September 13th. The post is part of a series called What Is It Wednesday? For many of the people who responded to the post, the creature in the video looks like a leech. Yeah, I can see that too. Yeah, it's yeah. a leech with stripes. Right. And they were right. The Anahuac National Wildlife Refuge shared the answer in the comments. It's a turtle leech. Okay. And it's very, very creepy. Yeah, it is. Turtle leeches spend their entire life cycle attached to a turtle. <laughs> How do you like that? According to the Texas Park. Well, they got a home. Yeah. They're, built, and, they're, 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 uh, they're squatters. That's what it is. Yes. They're, they're giant squatters. squatters. Yeah. According to the uh, Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, during heavy infestations, the turtle may be harmed due to enormous blood loss. Fish leeches are temporary parasites that leave their hosts after one or a few meals. Some take shelter among seagrasses or rocks and may attach themselves to crustaceans until they are ready for their next meal. Others only leave hosts or leave their hosts to lay their eggs and then quickly find another host. Some fish leeches attach only on a single species of fish. Others are not so picky and will attach to a variety of fishes. There are only a handful of marine leech species found in the Gulf of Mexico. Located near Galveston and Trinity Bays, uh, the Anahuac National Wildlife Refuge was established in 1963 to provide wintering and irrigation habitat for ducks and geeses. Uh, geeses? Listen to me. <laughs> ducks and geese. What the fuck is a geeses? Those geeses and meeses and mooses. Good Lord, I've been reading too long. Uh, the refuge protects the coastal marsh for migratory and residential waterfall, shorebirds, and waterbirds, according to its website. So a turtle leech. It's a terrifying thing. It looks, it looks horrific, doesn't it? Yeah, I'm glad it doesn't stick to us. Yeah, that would be something else. That would be something else. Uh, Ziggy's Picks. Let's talk yes. about it quickly before uh, we get to our last story of the day. Uh, an impressive week for almost everybody. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I didn't get to watch the games. Those mags at the show, so I was at the show. But uh, Mrs. Bruiser left the show early, and I got home. And she's like, you're not going to believe this. And she showed me what Tali and Ziggy did, and I was like, oh, my gosh. 
Ziggy Talia was almost near perfect. Well, she was the, the first half of the day. T- Twelve and four overall for for Talia, which is yeah. a, a damn good week. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think very many, very many humans had a twelve and four week. No, I'll give you that. Ziggy was eleven and five this week. Which again, yeah, we separated them when we did the picking, and yep, there you go. So an exceptional week for Ziggy. It's a good rebound week for Ziggy. I went ten and six this week, which isn't too bad. No, and you went nine and seven. So I'm gonna say I went nine and seven. Yeah. There's one game that separates us overall. <laughs> really? You, you and I. Yep. One game separate separates. All right. Us. Yeah. Um, overall, uh, the overall averages are actually pretty uh, not not too bad. Ziggy is at an even five hundred right now. Okay. Overall, so that's not bad. Not bad this early in the season. Nope. Talia has an impressive six fifty six average. I which is blowing my mind. Yeah. And leads everybody. A six fifty six average for for. Talia Bruiser is in second with a 609 average. I'm losing to my dog. You're losing to your dog. Yep. I have a 593 average. So uh yeah. So I'm in I'm in third. Tal or Ziggy is in fourth at 500. So um we, we when we separated, we weren't kidding about the power, but I think Talia's power got in her second power got increased. <laughs> well, we'll see. We'll see. Again, keep them separate. Keep them yep, separate. Yep. We'll, we'll see what happens. Again, if you want to see individually how each dog broke down and, and how each human broke down and how we picked, you can go to darknessradioshow.com and check out Ziggy's picks. The, the, and just please remember their dogs. I hate when people yeah. go online and go, your dogs picked the wrong team. They're dogs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know yeah. you love your teams. I get it. I'm, I'm yeah. a Packer fan. I'm a Chiefs fan. You know what I mean? Like Those yeah. are my teams. Please though, they're my dogs. They yeah, they're know dogs. <laughs> yeah, and 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 the whole part of this is it's fun. Exactly. Know? Yeah. So, what I like now is that Ziggy is now because we have the little cards with the logos on them. Yeah. We have them in an envelope. When you grab the envelope, she gets all excited. Oh, and that's and she'll go into the little spare room where we do it. She'll sit there and wait for us because she knows. Oh, that's cute. Yeah, so I get totally excited for it. But Ziggy's been doing it longer, so. Oh, see, that's that's so cute. Yeah, yeah, she'll get, her butt will get going, she'll bark, and she'll go running in there, and she'll sit down, and she'll wait. And she'll know, because she, she knows. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, again, we're, we're doing it, as long as the dogs are excited about it, we'll do it uh, every week throughout the, yeah. the NFL season all the way up to the Super Bowl. If for some reason or another they're not excited about it anymore, then we, we'll stop doing it. But um, but it's fun for us. If, if it's fun for the dogs, we'll keep doing it. Yeah, and Mrs. Bruiser gets a kick out of it, too, because she does. we have our own little family thing here. Yeah. And, and she she's having a blast with them, too. So There you go. There you go. As long as it's fun for them. We love having psychic pups, and hell, they're kicking our ass. that's the truth (laughs) so why not why not so um and again close circuit to audio boom let's get on it sales team because uh we've got some psychic pups here and that's uh there's a sponsor opportunity here so um so yeah and if you're a potential sponsor that's out there listening uh contact me tim at darknessradio.com if you'd like to sponsor the uh sponsor the segment yeah yeah, because we'd like to uh, we'd like you to advertise on this segment, Ziggy's picks, and uh, we'd like to if you'd like to we'd like to not only sponsor you, you inside this product or inside this segment, we'd like to feature your product along with the pups on video. 
Oh, definitely, yeah. Yeah, so... Uh, by all means, uh, get a hold of me, Tim at darknessradio.com. We'll get you. Yeah, I'll make some real creative videos. Like last year, um, we used to dress Ziggy up in different outfits. This year, we can't get her an outfit. She doesn't like it. But we can just do fun stuff. Sure. We, we can you do know. fun, creative uh, fun creative yep. ads with the pups. So Yep. Yeah. So And they love it. They yeah. love it. So get a hold of us, and uh, we want to uh, help you as a sponsor. So there you go. Um, so next week. Okay, so here's the deal. Uh, as you know, Chiefs and Vikings. Yep, I'm sorry, my friend. Now, Chiefs should blow the Vikings out of the water, right? Okay, so they should in theory, but I worry because last the, the, was it Sunday night when they played the Jets. The Jets had that huge comeback. Yeah. And, and here's why. It's because Mahomes doesn't have a regular receiver, and everyone's picking up he's going to go to Kelsey. Have you have you heard the conspiracy theory? No. You haven't heard the latest conspiracy theory that's on uh, X? No. What's this conspiracy theory? Conspiracy theory is that the NFL, Taylor Swift, and the Kansas City Chiefs are all in on the bit together that, that Taylor Swift is a quote-unquote good luck charm, right? Ah, uh, Okay. And that she's driving, she's driving eyes to the the product. One, and two, that she's a quote unquote good luck charm. Okay. Okay. And that they're setting Kansas City up for a fall, and she won't be at the Minnesota game. Okay. And this will be a loss for Kansas City because she won't be at the Minnesota game. It, it won't be a loss. The Kansas City defense too strong. They're going to rattle Kirk early. See, that's what I think. And a rattled Kirk is not a good Kirk. Exactly. Everybody has Minnesota's number when it comes to stopping that offense this year. Yep. The 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 blueprint was put Especially out. Especially with Jones back. I mean That's right. He's gonna he's gonna feast on Kirk Cousins. Oh I I'll call it right now. Two fumbles by Kirk, one interception. Yeah, I can see I can I can see I see three three interceptions. I don't think it'd be that many. I do. I think he's gonna get rattled early. I, I'll, I'll give it this one, one interception, but it'll be a key interception end of the game to end the game for the Vikings and any gonna, potential. Comeback. I think three interceptions, but I think Mahomes throws two. Mm, no, because the Vikings aren't ball hawks this year. They're not. Yeah, but but like I said, he doesn't have that receiver. I can like see. a Tyree kill where he can throw it wherever he wants and the guy will get there. He has to throw it within the vicinity of the guy and defenders are picking up on that. And they're picking him off. I can see one to Harrison Smith. I, I see two. Really? Yeah, I see two. He's been averaging two a game, I'm, I believe. Right, but our our corners are reactionary. They're not. They're not ball hawks. They they don't they don't read quarterbacks' eyes. They just don't. Well, Mahomes says he he doesn't know looks throws and stuff like that. Yeah, so. yeah, and he's. But he's, I still think two. I think two, and I think Kirk Kirk throws three. Wow. Okay. That, that's a yeah. little little high for. Can be a Vi defensive game. I'm telling you. Vikings have been averaging two to three turnovers per game, so okay. th that's why I say three. Two fumbles by Kirk and an interception. So I'll, I'll stick with three. Okay. But I think that third. I think that interception kills any rally. I don't think they rally. Well, I, I think it'll be tight. I, I just don't. I, I don't think it'll be. 
Because the, the thing is, the Vikings are always known as, they were known as that comeback team. Because that's all they did last year was come back and win in the fourth quarter and all that. Well, guess what? Patrick Mahomes is the same way. You know, you get Patrick Mahomes with the lead with two minutes in the game with that ball. He's going to use all the two minutes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was no, fun I, to watch. I think, be fun. I think I'll be Kansas, thinking about you. I think, oh, thanks. I appreciate it. I think Kansas <laughs> City goes up early. I think it'll be, oh, yeah. it'll be something yeah, where it'll be like things. 21 nothing or 28 nothing. Yeah. But I think the Vikes get back into it like 28-17, and they think they have a chance. And they, sure. they start to come back. That's what I mean by come back. But they, they shoot themselves in the foot. Is this the overseas game? No. No. Uh, I want to say, this is this in Kansas City? Let me look real quick. I think I think this... Is this I know they have the overseas... Kansas City's in the overseas game. I didn't know if the Vikings were. No. I, I think... Do they have... The Vikings have an overseas game this year. They, I think, I, they have one. Um, they got featured a lot, and they got a they got a tough schedule this year, um, mainly because of the play the the season they had. <laughs> the play they're playing in Minnesota. They're playing in Minnesota. Okay. Oh, yeah. so it's at it's at the bank. Yeah. Okay. Well. <laughs> uh, that's okay. Then they'll keep it. That they'll keep it. Rel- okay, I still stand by my prediction. Kansas City goes up big in the beginning, mm-hmm. um, because the Vikings tend to. Is it a noon game? Uh, nope. Four twenty-five. Oh yeah. Oh well, Kirk will shit the bed then. Yeah, prime yeah. time Kirk. Yep, prime time Kirk will shit the bed. He always does. He's he's. It's like setting a watch, man. <laughs> it just. Man, my frustration with this guy. And you know what was uh, you know what was fun is uh, the, the Twitter absolutely lost their shit on Kirk when he threw that ninety nine yard interception. Well, they should just lose their shit on him all the time because he's terrible. They should, but you know what? There's so many apologists for him, and they they were out in droves too when he threw that interception. They were <sighs> out in droves last week. Um, but funny, he had a terrible game last week. Yet they they still won, and the, the apologists still came out last week and said, "We'll see." It, even though he didn't play his best ball, they still won, and it was still they, him that made them win. They won against the team that is absolutely terrible. The Panthers are going to be last in the league this year. They're not going to win a game. The only one catching the ball was stealing. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, and Young is such a young quarterback. It's not the Panthers are nothing this year. He is going to be a good one though. He will be eventually, yeah. But not, yeah. And I think they need to put him under. They need to do what the Packers did with Love and yes. have him shadow somebody for three years. Yeah, yeah. He he's still he's still young, but he is, man. He is going to be a good one. He he, he just, will be eventually. He he has the gist not of it. He just doesn't have the the horses, man, to throw to. He just doesn't. Nope. And that's what's nope. sad. And in. If he had the horses to throw to, man, he would be something. And I, I think they... Well, they got rid of DJ Moore. They got Thielen. I thought they were going to have Thielen and Moore. I'm like, oh, there's two right there you can throw to. They got rid of DJ Moore to the uh, Bears, and the Bears aren't utilizing him at all. No. Man, can you imagine if... if I don't know, even if you gave him Claypool or if you gave him somebody... I mean, if you just gave him a burner. You, exactly. Yeah. Because Chark isn't getting it done. I don't know what his no. issue is. I don't know either. But I don't know. It, and they, they went high with him too, and I get it. But and 
Sealand's proven himself as a good pickup. Oh God, yeah. You know? I don't know how the Vikings can can look themselves in the face and say we made the right move by letting him go. I, I don't know. I was happy to see he was coming here. I mean, I'm. I think the Panthers are fun. They're you know my guilty pleasure, but they're just they're, they're not going to be a good. They're not going to win a game this year. Uh, well. I could see him winning a couple of games. I, I, think, I don't. I think they'll I don't. Just by default, there's always one or two games you're going to win. Right. But the Jaguars went, what, two years only winning a game? Yeah. Before Trevor Lawrence came along? Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, I, I, I think that they'll probably win, you know. Mark my words, they're not winning a game this year. Okay. I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll say they'll win three. Okay. Yeah, I think they'll win three. I think they go 0-17. Really? Yep. Oof. They're that bad. Wow. I give them 3-14. and 14. Why not? Um, but, yeah, it's, it's um, I don't know. It's going to be a, it's going to be a, a tough, um, it's going to be a, a uphill sledding. We'll put it that way for, for Carolina and, and uh, a tough week this week for the Vikes. I know that much. Who's Green Bay got this week? The Raiders from Monday Night Football. Oh, that's easy for them. Yeah, they're going to win that. Yeah. Yeah, the Raiders have absolutely shit the bed this year. Yep. I, I don't think. Uh, Devontae Adams coming back to win. Um, no, it's the, the Packers at the Raiders. So, I You know, Devontae's got to be regretting signing that contract. Oh, well, the reason he did it was because of Carr. Like, he, he went over there because him and Carr played in college. So, he wanted to be with Carr. And then when they got rid of Carr, they were wondering what Devontae was going to do. They think this is Devontae's last year with them. Oh, it's got to be. Yeah. It's got to be. And I bet you, here's here's what I bet happens. If Devontae plays one more year, if Rodgers comes back for a year, he'll mm-hmm. go to the Jets with Rodgers. Um, I don't know that he wants to get caught. The Jets, to me, feel like a team that's not going to maintain – a good team for very long. Well, they're not. I'm just saying, like, because Devontae has said he wants to play with Rodgers again. He was trying to get Rodgers to come to the Raiders. And the Jets won. So, and I know Rodgers has been very uh, vocal about getting Devontae to the Jets. Yeah. When he signed with the Jets. I just, because Devontae's not happy. He, he, like I said, he got, he went there because of Carr. Him and Carr go way back. Carr leaves, you know. Yeah. I don't know. It'll be, it'll be fun to see next year. I'm excited for the Cowboys 49ers game. That's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be a real good defensive game. Yes. Yeah. Most definitely. Most definitely. Um, so next week, let me see here. Some of the other matchups. Um, oh, God. Thursday night's game, Chicago and Washington. <laughs> I wonder why they would switch that from Thursday uh, yeah, to something else. Of of all the ones you could you should option out of, that one is just horrible. What a horseshit game. Um as well as the Jets Denver. I don't know who's gonna want to watch that on uh, at three twenty five on on a CBS. I mean, ugh. I, ugh. <laughs> yeah, there's there are just some Games this week that people just aren't going to want to watch. Cincinnati, Arizona. Yeah, that's not going to be good either. <laughs> no. 
No, there there are just some games this week. You just yeah, the the Dallas San Fran game has some real potential. Yeah. Um, and and could be a potentially uh, one of the best games of the year. Um, but there's just some that <laughs> you want to talk about a, a slaughter. Uh, Carolina Detroit <laughs> in oh, Detroit. Detroit's gonna Detroit's gonna murder them. Yeah. Um, Houston Atlanta is a weird matchup. Yeah, Houston's kind of that underdog, under the radar team. So is Atlanta, though. Yeah, and it's in Atlanta. So I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. There's lots of intriguing matchups here. But again, uh, Ziggy's picks. Um, uh, to, to find out how we're going to pick this week, uh, check out darknessradioshow.com. Go to Ziggy's picks and, uh, and find out uh, how we're going to negotiate this next week. Because <laughs> there's some interesting games out there, man, that you just... I mean, I know the commanders are going to kill the Bears. It's in Washington, but... Yeah. Ugh. And the Detroit's going to kill the Panthers. Yeah, Detroit's going to kill the Panthers. There's some... There's some... The Jets and Broncos are just going to fall asleep. <laughs> they are. They're going to they're gonna take a nap in the corner. <laughs> I mean, the Giants in Miami. I mean, come on. Miami's going to murder them. It's in Miami. Um, the one that... The one that you you kind of shrug your shoulders like I don't know uh, Tennessee and the Colts. Is I mean, the rookie playing for the Colts? I wonder. I don't know. He can't. Didn't he come back last week? Yeah, he came back, got hurt, went out again. Yeah, that's so, the thing is he's been getting hurt left and right. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I mean that that I would say probably Titans right now, but uh, I don't know. I don't know. And, yeah. and then you've got the Eagles and the Rams in L.A. Okay, that'll be a good game too. That's yeah. another one where you're like, eh, who's it, doing that? And the Eagles have been spotty at best. I mean, oh, yeah. the command- they're not they're not the dominant Eagles they were when they won the Super Bowl. No, so. and the, the the Commanders took them to the to the wire. Yeah. So, you know, and they shouldn't have, but they did. Right, right. That, I mean, the Eagles should have won that game by two touchdowns, but yeah. But yeah, I don't know. Interesting. Uh, our last story of the day, Bruiser. Uh, combines a few of our loves. Okay. You were saying that. uh, There's lots of weird, wonderful sports around the world. We've been talking sports for a few minutes now. (laughs) Might as well (laughs) end it on a sporting note. But we're going to talk about monster wrestling and other things around the world. Oh, okay. Um, Now, have you ever participated in gimmick wrestling matches? You ever put on a costume and wrestled? Yes. Yeah? Yes. Every Halloween, we used to do a thing... um, the costume battle royal you dress up and you go out and do it and we did a running theme we had the invisible man win one year uh we did a running theme where a friend of mine would dress up as a monkey and the other friend would dress up like a banana and the banana would be in the ring and then the benny hill music would hit and the monkey would come out so the <laughs> banana would eliminate themselves and then they'd chase each other around the building oh nice okay and we did it for four years straight until the monkey finally got the banana there's a group that I know at GalaxyCon here in the in the cities, and I know they did it at Wizard World too. I think the last the last Wizard World or the last two Wizard Worlds that were here, um, they did like superhero gimmicks. Yep, they have cosplay wrestling. Yeah, cosplay. That's a, wrestling. a company. That's a company. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I have a couple of people that work for them. Um, one you might know, Corbin, Darren Corbin. Yep. He does the uh, villain from The Incredibles. Yeah. Yep. 
Yep. yep. There's a Caitlin Marie who's a wrestler down here. She does Miss Miss Trunchable from uh, who's the the girl witch Matilda. Yeah. Yep. She does that gimmick. Yeah. I'm. I've talked to them. I haven't. This last time they wanted me to come out and do something, but I couldn't because my hip. Yeah. Um, with the surgery and stuff, but I've been pitching them some ideas no. what I could dress up as. Yeah, I love. I love. The, doing that like it's just fun halloween time is always the best cause most companies have battle royals and and you do uh uh dress up but it's funny my uh one of my best friends in the whole world brandon blaze we broke into the wrestling business together still friends to this day stood up at my wedding i'm gonna stand up in his um we're brothers and you know brothers like to rib each other and joke around sure well he for one Battle Royal. Uh, it was called the Spookaroo Battle Royal. He wanted to be the greased up deaf guy from Family Guy. <laughs> okay. So he stole a pair of girls' underwear from a girl that he had been with. Okay. And then we put three bottles of baby oil on him. Oh my god. He took like twelve showers and couldn't get the oil off. Oh my god. And what was funny is when I went out for the Battle Royal, I saw him and he's doing the whole thing that you can't catch me, like the whole Deaf, deaf guy doesn't family guy mm-hmm. I ended up taking it was on a volleyball court so I ended up taking sand and slapping him in the back right in the middle of the back with the sand oh and he couldn't reach it because oh. it was right in the middle of his back oh. and then when he showered he couldn't get it off because of all that oil that was on him so that had to be uncomfortable <laughs> I just had to be uncomfortable. We still every Halloween he'll he'll send me a picture of greased up deaf guy and go remember when? <laughs> and I'll be like, yes, sir, I remember. I remember. Well, and then in Japan, it's really big because in Japan they have Leatherface, they have a Freddy Krueger, they have a Michael Myers, they mm-hmm. have a Jason, mm-hmm. and they they usually come around about this time of year too. Yeah, you'll see you'll start seeing the gifts, and then they got the um, the Kaju monsters that come out and fight. Yes, yeah, I believe that's in this article. They're, they start out in South Dakota. And they're talking about the tiny town of Clark, where every year in early August they get together for a spud celebration. Okay, at Potato Days, the Potato Days tradition has uh, persevered since 1992 and eventually features the Little Miss and Mr. Tater Tot pageant, potato (laughs) decorating, and most famously, instant mashed potato wrestling. Okay. All right. All right. On a hot August day in 2019, photographer Saul Nealman stood on the sidelines and still somehow was drenched in instant potatoes, grinning wildly. Why instant potatoes? I suppose it's too much to try and make real ones, huh? Yeah. Um, He remembers being particularly impressed by the high school spud wrestlers. He says, generally, you don't get that level of experience and athleticism in a mashed potato ring, he says. (laughs) Uh, Ending a workday covered head to toe in an instant mashed potatoes may not seem like a win for everyone. But for this weird sports photographer, it's one of many fond and odd memories from the job. Uh, Weird sports is loosely defined, but for Nealman's purposes, it's any athletic gathering he deems out of the norm, often prizing performance art and a good time over competition and athletics. As a self-described failed athlete and a lover of, as he puts it, weird shit, that's in quotes, uh, (laughs) Nealman can relate to weird sports fanatics. He says, even though I'm a a photographer and I generally don't participate in weird sports, they still feel like my people, and I feel like they know that I am 
one of them. This uh, this mashed potato wrestling looks absolutely fun. Neilman started his photography career as a reporter for a humanitarian organization, then transitioned to the Oregonian a Portland-based daily newspaper, the oldest still running on the West Coast, where he and a team of staffers were awarded the 2007 Pulitzer Prize for breaking news reporting. His love of sports, on the other hand, came much earlier. He said, I've always loved sports, even though sports didn't love me back, he laughs. Neilman uh, wasn't cut out for the court, but he always found his place on the sidelines taking photos. After going on assignment with the Oregonian to photograph high school wrestling on the beach and a roller derby the next year, Neilman started to wonder what other weird sports might be lurking in the shadows. In 2007, he left his job, determined to find the world's weirdest sports. In 2011, he published his first photography book, which is called Weird Sports, which compiled hundreds of photos of bizarre sports, from cardboard tube fighting to Segway polo. Since then, Neil Mani uh, has published more, two more books, Weird Sports 2 and More Weird Sports. His most recent book or celebrates oddities from log riding in Suwa, Japan, to llama race in Fair Play, Colorado, to kaiju live monster wrestling in Queens, New York. <laughs> uh, this book has wrapped immediately before the pandemic with the book's last shoot, a beer drinking contest in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, taking place in March 11th of 2020. While producing the book during the pandemic, it was very sobering to look at photos of people having so much fun and joy engaging with others in enclosed spaces, says Neilman. It's really surreal to look at them because it feels really normal, but it also feels like a different time. The added perspective of the pandemic, a solitary time for many, only enhances the wonder of weird sports and what they stand for in a community. A lot of people kind of get hung up on the weird part, but I really think it's about the stories that you find when you're there. Uh, let's see here. Just trying to kind of get to get to the chase of some of the weirder stuff. There was a furry ski weekend that he covered. Where mem <laughs> members of the furry fandom subculture community got together to downhill ski in Copper Mountain, Colorado. Uh, they did that to Cosmic Bowling, where costume participants bowled under blacklight in Pasadena, California. So the furry community was in on all that stuff. Uh, I actually have a... <laughs> you have a picture of the furries? I have a picture of the furries and Cosmic Bowling there for you. That's, a, that's not a furry, that's a T-Rex. I know, T -Rex. That's, a, that's a T-Rex and a blow-up T-Rex at that. But the uh, <laughs> there's also a non-furried uh, doing that. Um Let's see. Oh, there's the furry skiing. There's there's the furry skiing right there. <laughs> <laughs> Never thought I'd see a fox and a panda sitting next to each other in a ski lift. Yeah, that that was something. They have the llama race right here. Here's the llama race. Oh, I thought they were riding the llamas. They're running the llamas. Yeah, they're okay. running them on leashes, which is hysterical. Um, and then. Uh, the the more weird sports has the the monster wrestling the kaiju yeah, the kaiju. kaiju yeah in fact i know that referee do you yep really interesting so uh just some of the weird sports stuff that uh that's out there but i figured the monster wrestling beer drinking contest and of course the furry thing i know you love the furry thing so uh, um, no 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 let's not put that out there <laughs> <laughs> no sir so. no 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 <laughs> Ha <laughs> ha!
<laughs> I just need to throw that shot in there. Yeah, oh, um, no furries for me. <laughs> That's your thing. Cool. <laughs> I have my other things. Not that. <laughs> so that'll do it for today's program. Um, tomorrow on the show, Cindy Kays is with us from the Dead Files. And we'll, we will talk about uh, her stepping, stepping in mid-season into the Dead Files, what it's like to uh, work with Steve DeShavi, uh, the different dynamic there, and uh, how you gain chemistry with someone when you step in mid-season. Uh, we'll also talk about the different cases on the Dead Files this year and, okay. um, and uh, basically her career and, nice. uh, and uh, what is on the horizon here for Cindy. So. Okay. It's coming up on tomorrow's show. Nice. Yeah. Bruiser, what you got going on this weekend? The furry training convention? with me. <laughs> what? No furries. No, no furry conventions. <laughs> got training this week. Uh, AMLwrestling.com slash training. And then uh, Friday, the students are putting on the future stars of wrestling for AML at the school. Um, tickets are inexpensive. Go to AMLwrestling.com. Check out where you can get the tickets and Come on out. I'm producing the show. It's going to – a couple of my students are on the show, so I'm very excited. Nice. More than a couple, a lot, like half the card. <laughs> very cool. Very cool. Yeah. yeah. I'm very happy, very proud. Hope we can get a big crowd for them. As you should be. As you yeah. should be. Um, KNSI Radio on Saturday. I'll be up there from 7 to 9. You can listen at knsiradio.com. Also – Tonight, I'll be checking out the new Exorcist movie. I'll let you know tomorrow. Oh, very exciting to see that. I'll let you know tomorrow on the show what I think of it. So, there you go. The Exorcist Believer, which is about Justin Bieber being exorcised. <laughs> it's all about how he goes to a prayer meeting and finds the devil. So, it should be a good movie. I'm looking forward to it. Very exciting. <laughs> yeah, so... Uh, I'll let you know what I think tomorrow on tomorrow's show. So, so there you go. That'll do it for today's show. Uh, again, folks, uh, if you have Parashare stories, you can send it to Tim at darknessradio.com or you can go to our uh, our website, darknessradioshow.com. There's a blue button on the right-hand side. That's where you leave your voice note if you'd like to hear your lovely voice on the program telling your story, your actual supernatural encounter with a ghost, UFO, Bigfoot, Nessie, whatever you've had an encounter with, uh, you can leave a two-minute voice note when you click that button. If you need more time, just click that blue button again and leave an addendum to that first two-minute note. You have another two minutes. Keep doing it until you tell your entire story. I'll stitch it together. We'll put it right here on the show. So we need your stories, folks. Uh, get them in. You have until uh, Tuesday to do so. So perfect. Tuesday's the cutoff. So uh, do it this week because we want to air it next week. So please leave your stories. We want to hear either your voice or we want to read your story here on air. So that's that's all I got. And the other thing too, uh, please, folks, uh, we know you like to binge shows. We we get that you listen to these shows either on the weekends when you're doing your chores or or you listen on the way to work. You listen at work. If you could for us, uh, try to keep it within two weeks of downloading the show. The reason being is that uh, we want to get credit for our advertisers. We want to get credit in our numbers. Uh, much like other shows, we, we only get credit for shows within a certain amount of time once the shows are released. So 
our, our credit is within two weeks. So we, we need you to be listening to those shows when you download those shows. So when you get a fresh download, that doesn't sound right, I know. Uh, when you get a fresh <laughs> download, please uh, listen to those shows within two weeks so we get appropriate credit for them. We appreciate that. So that'll do it for today. For Beer City Bruiser, I'm Tim Dennis. Thank you so much for tuning in to the best in paranormal podcasting. We'll see you tomorrow with Cindy Kaza right here on Darkness Radio.